Welcome to the Redley Fretzelcast. This is the Wrestlecast. I am not only joined here with one guest, but a special one. It is Travis and Rad Zero. We're we're all here. I'm looking forward to this. This is episode three. We have a lot to talk about. It is we are coming off of the greatest Royal Rumble, but was it the greatest? We will definitely answer that later. <laughs> we also have a lot of indie events. Uh, some of the a couple indie major indie events that we didn't get to in the last cast uh, on WrestleMania weekend. And everything that's happened in between, all across the globe in the wide world of wrestling. Rad Zero, how are you today? Hey, what's going on, JD? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. And again, thank you for having me back on another episode of the WrestleCast. Here we are, episode three. I'm looking forward to a ton of awesome topics that we have in store for our audience. And uh, uh, very excited to be here, man. And I'm not only joined... By my buddy Rad. I'm also joined here with now his second appearance on the Red Leaf Rus- Retrocast. He is on the wrestling one now. It is Travis. How you doing? Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm happy to have you. Uh, and before we get into this wide world of refl- wrestling, I think it's only appropriate that both you guys, just since you guys are helping me out with this wrestling cast, getting it all going and started... Uh, why don't you do your own self plugs, uh, Rad? Since you're the veteran of the cast now, <laughs> why don't you nice. do your why don't you do your plugs first? Sure. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Rad Zero. You can find me on YouTube, Rad Zero. I touch base on both pro wrestling and retro gaming. I'm a huge toy collector. If you like WWE figures, I highly su- suggest to check me out. I am also on Twitter at Rad Zero eighty three. Same deal. I tweet a lot of wrestling stuff, uh, retro gaming stuff pictures of my collection items that i want things like that so feel free to check me out and follow me on twitter okay excellent yes everyone should definitely do that uh all the names and description uh names and whatnot is in the description below you can also find all the stuff that travis is about to say because he's got a lot to stuff to plug so go ahead travis oh uh, yeah i'm the man behind the plan with a very bad tan uh behind the vicky tmd <laughs> on youtube uh, follow me on Twitter at the Hibiki TMD, the essential in that. A lot of people don't. There's two accounts, a parody account. Somehow somebody made one of mine. I don't know why. Anyway, the Hibiki TMD. And yeah, <laughs> Hibiki TMD on YouTube. Uh, retro gaming, pro wrestling, a hybrid mixture of nerdy goodness. We mm-hmm. got you covered. Way too many shows to list. I just quite frankly don't feel like going down the list of them. But yeah, check it out. We got you covered. Fantastic. Yet again, uh, well, it Rad, I promised it in the last cast, and I'm delivering we are now live on not only YouTube, but the Twitch and the Mixer right now. And are you guys familiar with Mixer? I imagine not many people are. I'm not. Maybe Travis is. It is Microsoft's answer to Twitch. Uh, I I am actually quite digging it. Uh, I like the quality, so I, I like to, I'm, I'm giving Mixer a good good thumbs up right now. I like everything they're offering. Uh, you can cool. find the, the podcast live, such as tonight. Uh, Monday Night Raw is in Montreal, uh, first time in four years, and ju- uh, SmackDown hasn't been there in ten years. Uh, to give you a little perspective, uh, the last time a major Canadian Raw or SmackDown WWE live event, Bret Hart made a made made an appearance. <laughs> wow! Yeah, um, this is this back. is not counting Toronto. This is uh, everything else. That was a fact I I got to look up today. Is that counting when uh, Jerry Lawler had a heart attack in Montreal at Raw. That was the same night, I believe. Oh, that's right. Yeah, pretty crazy to think about. 
but also crazy to think about is the fact that um, a WWE, WWF, WWWF legend, uh, Bruno San Martino, has unfortunately passed away. He, he, he was getting on in years, you might say, but uh, as Chris Jer- Jericho said, he looked like he could still kick some ass. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to be honest. Um, I do, you know, I was, I, I'm aware of the guy. I'm aware of the wrestler, but I never took the time to actually go back and see any of his, any of his matches. Um, I don't know about you guys. Uh, Travis, you're more familiar with the guy than I am. That's for sure. You know, the old rubber LJN figures, of course, the, like the original line, that was the first one I ever had was the Bruno one as a kid. And as a kid, I remember like, who the hell is this? I never did. And then like, like, this is like my grandfather's favorite wrestler. That's what everybody says. It's my dad's favorite wrestler. That's, oh, wow. just, that's pretty much opposite it, it has not aged well in ring wise i would say it's the way that you know what i mean like the way the styles have evolved it is the polar opposite of today you just kind of appreciate it for the time i guess but you know they talk about bruno he really was he was a call he was not a call hero he was a hero for the italian people everyone knew bruno the thing about bruno when they would try him out in different territories they didn't always get over and that's right. some of the things that get less talked about, like how he like bombed in like Houston or one of the. But anyway, where he was prominently featured, where he belonged, he was treated like a god. He was a god. His reign of what, like eleven years or whatever with the belt, that's never going to be broken. <laughs> and right. honestly, uh, you know, some of the matches are a little hard to go back and watch. But like we said, appreciate it. And God, you talk about Mount Rushmores and all your cliches. Bruno's always got to be in the conversation. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, the more research I did on the guy, uh, I even recently watched the Andre the Giant uh, HBO special. And uh, he wasn't directly mentioned, but you could definitely tell when Andre got to the sort of northeastern territory that that uh, that area of the United States, when it came to wrestling, um, they had their. I don't want to say they were they were gimmicks. But they had their kayfabe persona of kind of the community they were representing. And Bruno San Martino was, I feel, the hardcore Italian-based wrestler. Just like um, there, there was the Baron dude who was representing the German, German community, and, and it went on from there. I, I, I didn't just watch the two matches that I kind of wanted us to talk about. Um, I ended up watching quite a few of San Martino's matches. Uh, and it turned out that these two that we're going to talk about for the cast here uh, were actually very interesting in what they did. And and Travis, you're absolutely right. They don't, by today's standards, um, you might say they're boring and almost jobber like (laughs) or, or young boy, like in new Japan, you might say, but it was a different time. You got to look at it from a, a, a different set of glasses. You might say, would you guys disagree with that? Oh, I totally agree. I think wrestling back then was more about, I guess, showcasing the uh, the power that the character had at the time. And it was more like, oh, I'm the big guy brawler. I'm going to beat you up and win for the people, you know? And I just think they kind of rolled with that uh, uh, regarding Bruno San Martino. The thing that ben, Vincent Mann Sr., amongst all the promoters, probably did it the most. He relied on ethnic angles. to, to That's the word I wanted support. to say, yeah. And, you talk about guys that go under the radar, like you talk about how Bruno and, you know, he had the heat with Vince from the lawsuits and they, they had heat for years. That's documented, but in their documentaries, the WWF propaganda, the release, like they would throw in like little segments about Bruno, but never in, in detail till after he like, you know, 
made amends or whatever. Pedro Morales gets talked about even less, and he's just as strong as a hero to an ethnic people at the time in the same promotion. He was WWE Worldwide Wrestling Federation champion too for the Latino community, was a big hero, but way less of Bruno. And no one nobody's ever really known why, but so that it's just relying on I mean, Bill Watts did it too with, you know, African American guys, but not nothing like Vince Man Senior. But plus you got guys like Ivan Koloff all over the world. I don't think any other promotion was A babyface based and B just worldly feeling at the time than that promotion. The Capital Wrestling or whatnot. Oh yeah. Uh, absolutely. So um, this is going to be a recurring segment with the cast. Uh, I'm looking forward to where we're uh, Travis, you can get on. The, you're, you're more than welcome to come on to future casts uh, for sure with, especially since you're a re- retro wrestling fan uh, as myself and rad as well, since we're both hardcore uh, fans of the old WCW product. That's for sh- that. That's one thing that we, we uh, spoke about in the first episode. So what we're going to do oh, is yeah. we're going to pick a retro wrestler um, probably could pick a couple matches. Really make that WWE Network subscription worth it. <laughs> uh, and and just highlight an old wrestler in a couple matches that that they were in. So obviously, what we're gonna do is talk about a couple matches Bruno San Martino in was in, and one match that we're gonna talk about. If you're uh, watching live on Twitch and YouTube and Mixer, is uh, in the agenda in front of me is Bruno San Martino versus Superstar Billy Graham the WWF championship in 1977. Um, Travis, you're absolutely right with the baby face kind of ethnic gimmick going on. And uh, Bruno San Martino was apparently known for never leaving kayfabe. Uh, when, when he was, as soon as he would, it was match night, you might say. He never left. They would interview him. He would never leave it. Uh I was reading old news articles that whenever they tried to get some information out of him, he just wouldn't break character. And that's definitely, I feel, a lost art in today. Uh, maybe Kevin Owens, he's one of the few people that come to mind that he doesn't do that, at least in the mainstream WWE sense. Uh, this match really stood out to me with the fact that superstar Billy Graham was the champion at the time. This is after Sam Martino's crazy title run. So he already had a lot of heat. Uh, and I love the fact that Graham began, like, before San Martino came out, he cut a, a, a tip, atypical superstar Billy Graham kind of promo. I got, the, I got the big arms. This is what a champion looks like. And as soon as San Martino, like, first emerged from the crowd, the crowd just goes insane. Just nuts. Just kind of, kind of a lost art in which how... It, it, it right, the closest thing I could think of think of when I was looking at the fan reaction was like the yes movement with Daniel Bryan, just how into the crowd the people are behind one particular guy. Any thoughts guys? Uh, Travis. This is a case at the time where you would literally see, at least I ever remember seeing where the crowd started to feel more 50 50 because I feel like superstar Billy Graham was a cool heel and that definitely showed a he, he they never pulled the trigger on his baby face run, obviously, but I think mm-hmm. they could have, um, this was, this changed everything. This right here was the harbinger for what Hulkamania would become glitz, glamor, pizzazz, all that bullshit that right. goes along with the eighties and wrestling, right? This is what changed the game. 
most important moments in wrestling history. Just this match alone, this passing of the changing of the guard, excuse me, passing of the guard. That's hilarious. <laughs> changing of the guard <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what more can you say? The match, it, it's 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 exactly what you think it would be. It's nothing awesome, but it's to, to quote uh, Billy Graham, I'm eating T-bone steaks, lifting barbell plates. I'm getting sweeter daddy like a German chocolate cake. Man, the, the guy <laughs> was just amazing. Yeah, he had it. And, and, and it cliches in wrestling, right, when you describe legends. But he really was when you hear ahead of their time. That's one of those guys that immediately come to my mind for what he did at the time. Oh, it was great. Uh, and just, just for the audience's sake here, a little bit about the match. Um uh, this one in particular, this is way different than what we're what we're going to talk about the next match. Uh, this one was all about who's the stronger guy, who's going to get one over on him. Uh, the match was real real slow with a lot of just wrestling holds, holds, but they looked painful. There was a lot of facial expressions being used throughout the match. Uh, Billy Graham uh, always hiding in the ropes, uh, running away, and every time Bruno would reverse something or... Uh, or get get him in a hold, or catch up to him, at, or or just flip just flip a script and and kind of do some heel moves because he was getting so annoyed with Graham. Uh, the crowd, uh, Travis, you this is when I, I this is when when Graham was in the ropes uh, for the third time, I believe, uh, and and Sam Martino hit him in the face. That's the first time I saw a crowd kind of get do a split fifty fifty because it felt felt like Bruno was doing a heel move. And the crowd just started going more and more insane. Uh, no matter what would what would happen, uh, it was a good, well told story. But the crowd had so, had so much to do with it. Uh, and it and it as the match went on, it slowly became more of a fight than the wrestling match. Like you could see a progression of moves slowly becoming becoming punches and kicks until finally uh, the ref had enough, and it became a double DQ. Uh, extending the rivalry and that's when you see the crowd just start throwing cups and beer and i gotta play defense with the cat going in front of my uh my camera and screen here and <laughs> um <laughs> the crowd went insane i couldn't i couldn't believe it I, I i i really appreciated what they were doing in the ring even from a fan of today so continue continue <laughs> from there uh over any thoughts from that well, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and add that uh, that's definitely a, a lost art. And I guess when you have uh, two guys going at it, um, you know, you're not going to cheer or boo for what the uh, company's telling you uh, to cheer or boo for. Instead, you get to choose. And in a match like that, the crowd evenly splits in half and, you know, pretty much chooses who they want to to mm -hmm. win. So or I feel like uh, superstar Billy Graham needed Bruno just as... I don't feel like anybody but Bruno would have got that hump as established that he needed it. To, like it wouldn't have had the same feel if it was a Pedro Morales or any other kind of baby face that had that belt. Chief Chase Strongbow. No, it had to be Bruno. Just like you say, like you compared to Stone Cold needed the rock and the rock needs to It kind of felt like that. They both needed each other in this moment. Chemistry, the timing of the, the moon and the stars and all that crap kind of thing. Oh yeah. That's, that's a very good comparison. I quite, I quite like that. And, um, Speaking of speaking of rivalries that kind of built off each other, the second match was Bruno San Martino versus Larry Zabisco in a what's known as the Technical Exhibition of 1980. Apparently, um, very famous. Uh, Rad, you were familiar with this match uh, before I even mentioned it, were you not? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's one that I have yet to revisit in a very long time. 
but I was a huge WCW fan in the 90s. And mm-hmm. I remember uh, in Larry Zabisco's rivalry with the NWO, Eric Bischoff used to mock him a lot by saying, so what if you beat Bruno San Martino? So that was probably <laughs> I, I my... vaguely remember that as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when Zabisco a commentary would call uh, Kevin Nash, Harry, and the Hendersons? <laughs> was the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that stuff. It was hilarious, man. Uh, he really got the best of these guys. Uh, but either way, I mean, they always counter. And I remember uh, Eric Bischoff doing one of those paid announcements. And again, he would mention it. So it was already embedded in my brain. And I was very familiar with that match. And I always knew that Larry Zabisco defeated Bruno San Martino. But it's uh, one that I definitely need to revisit. I've heard, you know, good things about this one. I know it's a lot more technical than most of his matches. I don't know, maybe if Zabisco helped in, in that aspect. But uh, I don't know. Have any of you guys seen this match recently? Oh yeah, specifically for the podcast, it's the whole point to this. Um, Excellent. I loved the commentary actually before the match started. Uh, they they uh, they actually had a good. It, it felt like what would be a promo package today, like pre match. Uh, the commentators were really hyping up how Zabisco trained under San Martino, or San San Martino took Zabisco under his wing. Zabisco thought he was the better wrestler, and he wanted to prove it to the teacher. Uh, then there was the other commentator going, uh, I believe there was a second commentator. I might be mistaken, but he also mentioned how Bruno was sick of his cocky student trying to one-up him. Uh, wanted to really just... The, the Vincent on. Patterson on commentary? I don't remember. Uh, they didn't really say each other's names. They, they, all they, they were so concentrated on the match and what was happening in front of them. Uh, about how when because about how Zabisco when he first he was a fan of Bruno as a teen and he would hide in the bushes of Bruno's house and that's <laughs> how they built that up and stuff. I don't remember that, but that sounds like something they were saying. I think that was a huge. They worked into that angle. Like I think that really happened, and I think that's how uh, he got broken into business. Oh, that's awesome! I had no idea. <laughs> that's crazy. really funny. Yeah. Uh, there, th- this, this is a match. Uh, it, I think it holds up much better than the, than the previous match we spoke about. This one, oh, yeah. it, this one felt like how many matches begin to this day. Kind of we, we, skipping ahead to what we, how we saw, let's say Styles and Nakamura start off the match with some holds feeling each other out or how a Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn match, like this was how I think this set the bar to how matches start. Uh, to this day in modern day wrestling, this is like the first ever. This is like the first ever student versus teacher like angle I can ever remember too, and it felt like one of the first ever coming coming of age storylines for a guy with Zabisco. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, this was great. It it was you had there was a moment, and th- this was this is what like totally sold it for me, uh, and why I think this match holds up is you had it. You had a slew of technical moves, uh, Bruno kind of does like a pat on the back at one point uh as as he reversed a zabisco move in uh and, and as he's getting up uh, zabisco spits in his face oh, and then and wow. then and then you see a, a face you vaguely see a spa- uh, facial expression the best the camera can do at the time of san martino just has this huge scowl and before he can even like he he takes like a subtle motion forward and zabisco rolls out of the ring and then kind of f- flips his hair and looks at the crowd. The crowd goes booze, and San Martino, you can tell, at least in kayfabe, was fuming. And once that moment hit, Zabisco continued that fashion of 
kind of irritating Bruno all the way up until uh, a point where Zabisco was uh, relying on punches as opposed to moves, kind of in the same same sense as the San Martino Graham match. It was technical holds that evolved into punches and kicks up until the point where uh, Bruno was about to do his Hulkamania pump up. Uh, I believe he was the one that started it. Uh, that's what it looks like. He's the oldest wrestler I can think of that would do something like that. And right before he did that, Zabisco throw, like punches him in the face and then rolls out of the ring. And then that was the end. Bruno just lost his goddamn mind. And uh, the ref DQs him. And that's where Zab that's how Zabisco wins. <laughs> so that's the famous win. Wow, yeah. I didn't know it went down like that. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. It, it, was, so, it was such good heel storytelling to... To annoy a baby face. Sure. Remind, reminds baby. us of a certain angle that's happening right now. Yep. <laughs> the, the, the whole Shinsuke and AJ Styles thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's Shea Stadium, right? Uh, yes, I believe that's where it was. I just watched the uh, the Andre and Hogan match from Shea Stadium, too. And then I watched this show, so I started binging on old Shea Stadium matches. <laughs> oh nice like that that building had a lot of classic matches in it which and you you talk about the camera angle this this the only thing i wish this sabisco and san martino match it happened right before the cusp of like when world Ca world class came along and started that hard cam stuff where you got in the action i wish this match would have had more more like hand cams i mean you know what i yes. mean like it just yeah so to get closer would have been amazing oh that would this would have put it over the top um i I, I, I can't say I give it like a five-star match because I, I wasn't there in 1980. <laughs> but it definitely holds up to this day. I, I really enjoyed this. I was locked in the entire time, especially with the backstory, too. It was great. Um, well, we... Uh, match happened the same, the same year that Empire Strikes Back came out. That's how old this match. <laughs> Crazy old. Uh, it was good. So I, I really enjoyed this kind of uh, blast of the past kind of moment using the using the network to do something like this. I would like this to be a recurring segment for the for the podcast. Yeah, just like you mentioned, I think it puts uh, good value in our network subscription. So I'm down. All right, uh, Travis, you're more than welcome to join in on it. <laughs> been doing great with adding old stuff like Thunder Saturday Night. Tons of uh, uh, just tons of stuff, man. All the oh, all yeah. this old Capital Wrestling stuff from like the 70s. They've added it's. All the Coliseum video stuff, so you're definitely getting your money's worth. I feel like lately. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we got a, we got a stacked uh, card, you might say, of what's ahead of us. We got a, we got a lot of indie stuff to talk about. Um, and the way I'm going to start doing this is I have a pop to play. Uh, you guys, unfortunately, won't be able to hear it, but the audience will. All right, so we're beginning with uh, this. The, these uh, these first couple indie things that we're going to talk about uh, took place over WrestleMania weekend. Uh, they they whether it was they finally came out on their network or found it by other means. <laughs> um, first up is Evolve one hundred two and one hundred three. I've I'm going to be honest. I've never seen an Evolve event before until now. And uh, just just uh, some quick quick uh, little showcases. Uh, Will Osprey wins in a kayfabe neck injury match against Ar Fox. This is a two two high flyer showcase, kind of 
worth checking out. It's not really um, breaking breaking grounds, but what made it different was uh, saw a different side of Will Ospreay because he's coming off that crazy match with uh, Marty Skrull in which he almost died. And you could tell he was in obvious pain and overselling this neck injury uh, quite well against uh, this... AR Fox, who I'm not, who I wasn't familiar with until till this match. Are you any of you guys familiar with AR Fox? No, not even by name. Yeah, Travis? I think he came up with Scorpio Sky. I think he came up with Scorpio Sky in like the the 2000s in the SoCal area. One oh of those wow! Guys. Well, that would make sense. That would make sense. I I, I would believe that. Um, then uh, later that night, uh, this is continuing on from 102. Uh, I have a confession. I liked a Matt Riddle match. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for Guess those, what? for those listeners out there, uh, I'm not a Matt Riddle guy. I, I don't, uh, I've never really bought into the guy's character or who he is. Um, this was for the evolved title in which the champion was Zack Sabre jr. And it turned out to be an extremely good technical match. Um, I that was a good one. Yeah, naturally with Zack Sabre Jr., you'll, you're going to get a hyper-technical match. And uh, this showcased, I think these two have great, great chemistry together. It really worked between the two. Um, Matt Riddle ends up winning. You know, very hard-hitting affair as well, because Matt Riddle's got his little UFC MMA background or what have you. Uh, Sabre doing a lot of reverses and and wiggling in and out of things, uh, much more hard hard hitting than I than I anticipated. Uh, Matt Riddle wins because um, Zack Saber Jr. I guess is going full time New Japan now. Uh, that that's kind of the uh, where he's going with a lot of his indie thing. He, he lost a lot of matches over the last few weeks. Uh, Riddle then declares all future matches will be no rope break, uh, and this led into a defense the very next night against a Japanese wrestler by the name of Sakamoto. Real hard-hitting dude. Um, very much the same affair. And Riddle wasn't done over the weekend. He had his own, like, R Matt Riddle's Bloodsport event in which he had an offshoot against Minoru Suzuki where the ring didn't even have ropes at all. And uh, Suzuki won this match, surprisingly enough. Because uh, I, I thought at Matt Riddle's Bloodsport, it would be to get himself over. Uh, there's a moment in there where Minoru Suzuki does this, like, hard-hitting uh, chop return or slap in the face. Um, mm. And usually when he gets slapped in return, he does a little laugh, ha-ha, uh, you know, goats him on. Well, Riddle hits him once. Suzuki didn't do that. And, he, and then he just straight knees him. So that just shows to me how hard Matt Riddle actually does hit. Uh, what, what, okay, so I, I like this Matt Riddle guy, uh, what he's capable, what he can be capable of. Uh, Travis, how familiar are you with Matt Riddle and what you've seen from him? I think he's got a ton of potential. I think he's got a million-dollar look. Obviously, the resume speaks for itself. But I totally agree with you. Every time you criticize him, it's it's to say he he needs to get more serious. He need, you know what I mean? The and I get the King of Bros gimmick. I get it. But I, I and I mean psychology entering wise. Just you talk about his quote laziness sometimes, his lack of psychology. I'm I'm right there with you. That's my only agree. But at the same time, he's he's a little greenish still. Well, not mm -hmm. totally, but he hasn't. You know what I mean? Give him, he needs to be more seasoned. I feel like. 
Yeah, he's got a ways to go, but this is this is a good start. If I if I see more of what I saw over WrestleMania weekend from Matt Riddle, then he has a he he he's filled with potential. Um, I have a little note here. If he wasn't such a pothead, he would be even better. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess maybe it's uh, it's safe to say that it's who they pit him with. Uh, I guess is what makes him look good. So if he's uh, pitted against the right opponents, I think he'll definitely look uh, he'll look really good in the ring. Yeah, the, these three guys Minoru in Suzuki particular might be Minoru Suzuki might be the toughest man in the entire world. So to go from like a match with him to Zack Saber Jr., he's getting well-rounded experience. So that's always a good thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's just every time I see him in other indie events, he he has a bad habit of no selling, um, or at least it, it appears to be. I, I don't know whether that's his character booking um, or what have you. I'm that's not, you know, I'm not a heavy industry guy. <laughs> I'm not. I don't have the uh, the inside. You might say, but that's just what I've seen. If we're gonna critique guys on no selling, I'm gonna go get like a thick ass phone book sized list ready. I mean, come on, everybody does that anymore. I know, but in Matt Riddle matches in particular, it's almost like his whole character's built on no selling, which I'm not a fan of. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a character. You know, it's just like, oh well, nothing phases him. It's all good, bro. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I do like I do like his funny funky little names for everything, like uh, the King of Bros, the the <laughs> the Bro to Sleep, <laughs> um, the what is it, the Bro the Bro Arm Bar or something, the Brom Bar. It's I don't, not I don't as remember. bad. As, it's not as bad as the besties in the world, but we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so uh, moving on with Evolve, uh, there was a champion versus champion match. Uh, the FIP champ, Austin Theory, who, again, another guy I'm not really familiar with until this weekend, against WWN champ Keith Lee, who I am familiar with, Baskin is Glory, of course. Uh, very solid match. Uh, Keith Lee actually lost to a straight low blow into a TKO. So I guess we, we know who the, uh, the heel is. It's Austin Theory. Um, very solid build. He, he looks a bit generic, maybe if he develops a little bit more character, but... Uh, this was a good showing from from him. He, he's now a double champ, and uh, Keith Lee was busy over the week over that weekend uh, doing a lot of WrestleMania access type stuff. Uh, so that was interesting to see a champion versus champion and now a double champion and, and evolve, or at least in these among these indie scenes. Uh, are you guys familiar with Austin Theory? No, I can't say that I am. Okay, a lot, but I'm. I'm... I'm not a lot, but I'm definitely familiar with Keith Lee. I don't know he had some other big things uh, recently go down. Another big match, but that's a different promotion. But yeah, Keith Lee's money. I love, he's great. Oh yeah, Baskin is glory. I, lo I love his uh, sit-out power bomb called the Spirit Bomb, um, Dragon Ball Z reference, uh, in which the guy pops <laughs> off the mat once he hits. Uh, it's pretty wild to see. Uh what one one just side note is a uh, Japanese wrestler by the name of Minori Sawa came out of retirement. Um, he he came from a Japanese promotion that that uh, that's long gone now. I believe it's four or five years closed down, and he felt that there wasn't any sort of promotion that would accept him and his style. Uh, he's a stiff striker with shoot-style submission holds. Uh, he put on a couple great showings. Um, I, I hope to see more of him. He's 38 years old. So he doesn't... I mean, he's younger than AJ Styles. Right. Yeah. 
So, but that was that was Evolve. Uh, it was it was interesting. I don't think I'm gonna watch too much more of it because a lot of the wrestlers in there just are super green or wasn't into. But um, those were just some of the some of the guys and matches that that stood out to me. Um, I would definitely say go check out that Matt Riddle Zack Saber Jr. match for the Evolve title at Evolve 102. Yeah, that one sounds like a solid performance. Yeah. Uh, so now we're on to progress chapter 66 and 67. Uh, this I was looking forward to cause it seemed like they were getting a lot of talents together, um, for this event. And man, it turned out to be kind of a mess. Honestly, uh, I got bored while watching it. It was just a cluster clusterfuck, to be honest. Um, it was a lot of first time debuts. They made, they were made unremarkable. A lot of the matches were just average spot festy type things or comedy focused matches. Uh, at one point there was a women's match with Kaylee Ray and I was like, Oh, awesome. I like her. She came out with a voodoo doll and did some stuff. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but there was some highlights. Uh, Osprey and Haskins, another Osprey match, go figure, uh, super high energy spot fest. Um, second best match of the weekend for progress. Uh, this one was very fun to watch. Um, Osprey coming off the previous day at Evolve uh, in a hard match against AR Fox now has to take on a very hyped Mark Haskins. And Haskins pretty much had the match uh, in his favor until a couple Osprey moves and uh, proved to be the better guy. Just kind of barely got one up on the guy. It was pretty cool. Um, so Mark Haskins is is rising on my radar of, of wrestlers to pay attention to. Um, Travis, Rad, more familiar with Mark Haskins these days, or no, nah, not really? No, not really. I'm familiar with the name. I just haven't really, uh, you know, sat through an entire match. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm so behind on progress. And it's from like an outsider looking in that hasn't watched that promotion in a while. I feel like they're kind of going through a restocking phase right now. Oh, they have to because it's all part of that yeah. WWE UK uh, tournament trying to stop the rising indie scene in the United Kingdom. They took a lot of their talent. Exactly. Um, the like it used to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, you, you, there's an aging uh, Jimmy Havoc. Uh, Haskins is definitely uh, the future of that uh, promotion, barring getting bought up or opportunities somewhere else that arise that'll that'll pay more or what have you but haskins is a guy within that company to look out for uh there was a fun little tag match um just real quick note uh ring Kampf, which is walter and uh timothy thatcher against uh david Starr and his mystery opponent keith lee he's back <laughs> guys were busy over the weekend uh, the only thing to note was Walter Pinstar yet again. So he moves to like 16 and zero <laughs> against <Yeah, Star>. Star. <laughs> uh, Oh yeah. Um, then, uh, chapter 67, Walter and Zack Sabre Jr. had a match for the number one contendership for the progress title. So in the last cast, Rad, you remember, uh, Walter came out, tra uh, challenged Travis Banks, uh, for the title, well, Zack Sabre Jr. wasn't having that. So sure. they had a number one contender match. That was kind of their little little build. Just, um, that match just sounds so unfair on paper. Walter versus Zack Sabre. It's like the Hulk versus Harry Potter. It was, <laughs> it was hilarious. Because 
every time Walter would do his signature slap, his chop, it looked like it broke Zach in half. Oh man. Like I uh, like I couldn't tell if Zach was overselling it or he was literally getting thrown across the ring. Oh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it hurt. Oh, Zach's chest was destroyed. Um <laughs> not as bad as say Daniel Bryan at the at the Greatest Royal Rumble where the blood the blood veins were just exploding or uh or dragging off oh, that blood. Bad. I still can't figure out where that came from, but I guess we'll get into that when we move over to that pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh but um, Walter did a fantastic job selling all of uh, Zach's holds. Uh, when Zach was working on his left arm, he couldn't. No, when he was working on his right arm, he couldn't do a chop with it without it hurting him. So you saw Walter switch to his left arm; it wasn't as effective. So Z- Saber was able to get to the legs. Oh, a lot of that, very much worth watching. This was my my uh, progress match of the weekend there. Um, but yeah, as you said, Travis, it, it, it like doesn't seem fair, but both wrestlers are so good at what they do, especially Walter. I'm getting so much respect for the guy. Uh, the more, I, the more and more I watch him, um, even across different promotions, it's fantastic. Uh, I really, Travis, I really wish you'd be more familiar, or at least watch a lot of them. I, I'm not sure how much you've watched Walter. I played catch up so much in the past couple of weeks. Just the more I'm like watching his old stuff. And like, I feel like, men movie and they need a colossus who's aged a little bit perfect guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah right on uh the last the last note of progress wrestling was i was very disappointed in not travis banks but just the matches he was involved with with who who he was facing uh just just newcomer guys going for his title i couldn't buy him losing the matches were just underwhelming uh but uh, but definitely, but Austin Theory did make a did make a couple appearances uh, for Progress events. So again, he's worth paying attention to. Uh, Austin Theory definitely impressed. Travis Banks was underwhelming, um, which I was actually surprised because I'm a big Travis Banks fan. Yeah, most Travises aren't underwhelming, so I'm surprised too. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was definitely the opponents he was against. I feel because Travis was definitely going his usual shtick. It it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to kind of compare it to kind of a Jeff Hardy uh, gender match where Jeff Hardy's trying so hard, but sometimes you just can't get a five-star match out of a two-star guy. <laughs> Which is crazy because like the week before gender, I felt like had a good but short match to Chad Gable and I felt like gender held his own. And I don't know. Sometimes, like, some, sometimes you have off nights, I guess. Uh. Well, moving on from progress, I can't recommend even seeing both those events in full. Just I, I would say watch the the hilarious yet really good Walter uh, Zack Saber Jr. match and the Osprey Haskins. Um. So moving on to WXW, my promotion, haha. Something you guys are you guys were were uh, definitely involved with in some form or another. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Newly familiar with it now. Yeah, but I must this, say uh, I like it. Yeah, great. I'm I'm so happy. Uh Travis, you unfortunately while we were uh we're all watching together, your internet just kind of blew out on you. It exploded. <laughs> right when Logan hopped on the stream party too, which is I blame Logan. Yeah, he t- he took your place and ended up watching the rest of the event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he took up the bandwidth. The two the two goddamn matches I saw, I really enjoyed. So there you go. And I went back and saw the highlights, you know what I mean? So it looked like it was kick ass show for the rest of us. Oh, it was it, it's it's definitely one of my more favorite pay-per-views of the year that I've seen so far is, is True Colors. Um 
I kind of liked it more than the their 16 karat gold event. I thought this was just more more uh, solid from from bottom to top. Uh, but the first match was uh, True Colors took place on April 14th. Uh, it's their first major pay-per-view after the their WXW sort of WrestleMania. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with WXW, it is a uh, German indie promotion, the top one in Central Europe, you might say. Uh, and it started off with a quick and heavy triple threat tornado tag match between uh, Mon Monster Consulting, uh, LAX from Impact, and uh, JFK. Um yeah, LAX was was definitely uh, the poor Travis. What was the name you gave him? <laughs> yeah, the 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 Puerto the Puerto Rican young bucks. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> this was a really fun match. So uh, instead of me blabbering on, I've been talking talking for a while. Uh, what? Uh, Rad, you watched you watched the whole event. Why don't, why don't you and Travis take take this away? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, what, starting with the Tornado Tag match? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I must say there was just a, a lot of uh, moves that were being pulled off from all tag teams involved. The fact that it was a Tornado Tag match, I think, just made it that much better. Uh, phenomenal performance. It was a great opener to the show, and it definitely, I think, had us on our feet looking forward to more in the show, and it wasn't even the best match of the night, so it just says a lot about WXW. Perfect stage setter with, and you know, a joke about the Puerto Rican Young Bucks thing. And I will say this about the Young Bucks too. They've gotten better. They, I, you know what it is with the Young Bucks and, and guys like that? I feel like they intentionally worked that way. They got themselves noticed. They got themselves the merch and Hot Topic. Now they're showing us they know how to use psychology all along. It was to get fucking attention. Mm -hmm. It's smart business. But anyway, not as over the top as the Young Bucks used to be, but it was just the colors they were wearing on their trunks at the time. And just, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, yeah, I totally agree with you, Rad. Um, perfect way to get everyone pumped up and just the blood throw it flowing through the crowd. I've never seen Avalanche before, so now forget Otis Dozovich. I'm all about Team Avalanche and just, yeah, it was. It, I, I feel like you need to see more of that tornado multi team stipulation. I feel like it's surprising we don't see that more, actually. Yeah, I think the only thing or the only time we get something close to it is maybe in WWE mainstream is probably money in the bank. And even then, every man is for himself, but not necessarily teams. And I think when you have teams involved, it's it's a pretty interesting aspect to the match itself. Yeah, uh, what stood out to me the most in this match wasn't just LAX. It was it was the amazing teamwork that I saw and uh, back and forth, like no team looked weak. Uh, no team. Oh, looked, yeah, absolutely. No, no team like looked totally overpowerful. Every team got to do like their own, like, like a double team, you know, signature, so to speak. So that was pretty entertaining. Just say they got the shit in, brother. Yeah, it was a great, I, I, it was a great way to, to, to start the event. Um, then there, then there was a, uh, women's match between, uh, the Kill Bill character, Audrey Bride against, uh, yeah. my girl, Killer Kelly. Killer Kelly, man. That was an awesome <laughs> match. She's actually a rookie. She's less than two years wrestling because she looks like she has if not more just as much ring time as Shayna Baszler from what I saw in this. Yep. Yeah, she and she I I think she looks a lot that. better than Shayna Baszler. Honestly. Me right now those two. Um so what 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 did you guys think think of this women's match? I loved it. I, I thought it was uh, uh, really good. The uh, the two women worked really well together. 
uh, I am familiar with Killer Kelly's stuff, but this was the first time I actually saw um, uh, the Kill Bill character. What's her name again, JD? Audrey Bride. Uh, Audrey Bride. Yeah, this was the first time I saw her, and I liked her as well. She was a heck of a performer, and and uh, this match was really cool. Yeah, it was uh, just a side note. It was actually later confirmed on WXW's weekly show Shotgun that she pretty, is pretty much going to be a regular uh, uh, part of the roster now. Oh, that's pretty cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and I believe she was from Hungary. Here we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, good, good, good. It was a solid match, uh, you know. Um, Travis, you said you you mentioned during the match that uh, even though maybe Audrey wasn't impressive in the ring, she was doing all the heel stuff right. It's always refreshing where like you you first see a woman's wrestler and yes they're they're very attractive but you see that they're not just eye candy she was a very tough girl too she took some damn stiff shots and and hung in there and she oh, yeah. she was it, she surprised me actually you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah I'm 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 definitely gonna look and pay attention more to what Audrey Bride has to offer I, I'm always I'm always excited for uh, new blood especially in this rising women's division that is in Central Europe. Um, and throughout throughout Europe in general, um, not just not just in WXW, but also in uh, all the UK promotions, because they they all they all help each other out in the indie promotions over there in Europe. So the uh, the, the women's wrestlers over there, they got to do something because Tony Storm is like the only buzz in in women's wrestling over there. Besides like a Kaylee Ray and like a Piper Nevin, I feel like it's all about Tony Storm right now, and 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 and, and as should be because she's tremendous. Sure. Well, uh, Travis, you you missed the last cast, but uh, right now, uh, specifically in WXW, they actually have a pretty sweet little idea going, a little story going, where um, it all started with a backstage segment between Tony Storm and Killer Kelly after Tony reclaimed the title and defended it, where uh, Killer Kelly got real humble, and she's like, yeah, maybe I had the title too early, you proved how good you were. I'm clearly under your level. Uh, me and the other women were talking, and we got to prove to meet your level. So it's basically just them having matches and accumulating wins to to even deserve to uh, to fight Tony Storm, which I, I really you know, appreciate. There you go. I booked it mentally and didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's, like it's a really concept. cool idea. It's, yeah, it's kind of like... A... A tournament so to speak and that person will earn their spot i guess to face the uh the boss if you're playing a fighting game so it definitely <laughs> works well towers classic towers. there you go towers man mortal Kombat style you guys probably agree because you're a fan of wcw like like me i miss point systems every match means something then a number yes. eight a number nine ranked brad armstrong had a goddamn purpose in nwa then that yep. gave me a reason to care about a brad armstrong match i miss that yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, the bound for the bound for glory series in uh, in TNA comes to mind immediately. Oh yeah, that was some good stuff too. Yeah. Uh, so um, just going through a a couple quick quick things uh, was that there was a number one contender match for fit for uh, uh for the mid card title. Uh, Bobby Guns got injured, so they kind of improvised a fatal four way uh, number one contender. It was uh, Big Mark Davis of Aussie Open uh, tag. This guy's massive, big Australian guy. Um, he wrecked everyone's house, made himself known, uh, got himself over. Bobby Guns comes out, cuts an immediate promo, uh, kicks him in the face, and then kind of heads heads high. 
Uh, everyone loves Bobby Guns. Um, he's super over. Uh, even when he kicked this big Australian in the face, all the, the German crowd went nuts. Uh, <laughs> uh, later yeah. that later that week, uh, Mark Davis had an impromptu match and then attacked Bobby Guns backstage, setting up uh, WXW in Frankfurt. They had their own. Uh, they they did fight each other. Very good match. Uh, Mark Davis just really impressed me in the last couple weeks. Um, uh, Bobby Guns still very solid, uh, but you could tell he was kind of favoring a shoulder injury, uh, unfortunately. Um, but he still won. Bobby Guns is still the champ. Uh, later on, then, in that same night at True Colors, uh, it was um, more or less a match with Damak against... Um, who did he face? He faced some random dude. I can't remember. Uh, I'd never seen him before. Uh, Damak wins, and that led to the remain... And, for those un unfamiliar, uh, Demac is the, I guess, pseudo leader or trying to be the leader of the heel faction Rise in WXW. Uh, Pete Bouncer previously had cut a promo saying that you know he he wants to be the new leader and he expects an answer at True Colors. So post match, Pete Bouncer comes out, all members of Rise are in the ring, and uh, Demac kind of points at him to to kind of say sick him, sick him boys, but they all turned on him. They're like, no, oh, yeah, that was, yeah, it was pretty was cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I guess we both agreed on that, JD, that this match wasn't really more about the performance, but rather the uh, storyline behind it. And uh, I'm a huge fan of factions, and this immediately bled, you know, NWO Bullet Club stuff. And, you know, the mutiny was going on. Uh, these guys turned on this guy, then accepted, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pete Bouncer uh, as becoming the new leader of Rise. So I just thought it was really cool. I, I immediately bought into it. And I even marked out for a faction I wasn't even familiar with. So it just goes to show you <laughs> those good stuff. Yeah, and Travis, you uh, you like Demac. He's got the the crazy like Phantom of the Opera mask going on. That was like an Inspector Gadget magnifying glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... The CWC um, too, he was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, Rise has a uh, Rise has to rise to the occasion because without their their main dude, Bad Bones, Bad Bones John Klinger, um, there's definitely some star power lacking there. Pete Bouncer is clearly going to get a big push in WXW, and he's got he's he's real tall. He's built well. Uh, he's got the look. It looks like um, him and Demac are going to have quite a rivalry going forward. Uh, I look forward to it. Yeah, it looks like this was just the beginning to yeah. that rivalry. So. Yeah, I, I, I haven't watched the most recent uh, WXW Shotgun um, showing. Uh, they might have done something there, I'm not sure, but nothing happened at uh, at, at uh, their wrestling tour in Frankfurt, so they're mm. clearly building up something. Um, sure. So now to the last two matches, and then and then we'll uh, we'll speed it up from speed it up from here because there's not much major to talk about from here on out. Uh, Absolute Andy, the the uh, the Dick Extraordinaire, the veteran Dick. You might say faced uh, ex friend Marius Alani in a TLC match for the world heavyweight title shot that Andy won at 16 karat gold, being the winner of 16 karat gold. Um, what a wild and up and down match this was, guys! It was amazing. Uh, even during the match, I was saying, Rad, that Marius Alani always seems to go out 150 percent at the mat at the start of the match and then loses steam. Clearly working with Absolute Andy. Uh, no, Absolute Andy knows how to work and and pace a match because Alani never seemed to lose 
that steam that I see him do so often. Sure. Um, what were some of your favorite spots in this match, Red? Oh, I guess um, when uh, uh, who who was it? Uh, Annie when he was uh, he had his hands like tied around his uh, back and he was trying to like jump up the ladder and grab the you know the uh, what was it the contract with his teeth and whatnot. Yeah, that was some good stuff. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, and that's definitely hard to do. So I, that was quite impressive. And on those la- on those types of ladders that they have in Germany too. Those are those things are scary looking. <laughs> Oh yeah, they don't even have that support beam. It's like uh, flimsy rubber or something. So <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was gonna work and support the weight of the other guy. So it's just nuts. <laughs> Travis, you missed this. Yeah, he had his hands duct tape, and he just and he and he kind of skipped up the ladder, and this thing was just so shaky. You yeah, were so afraid like for the, the guy. <laughs> you're like, don't take another step. If you fall, your neck is gonna break. <laughs> it's like no support from his arms either. Um, the the spot of the night, I uh, in my opinion, was definitely absolute Andy f fiving Alani outside the ring through a table. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was crazy. Just chucked him out like yesterday's lunch meat. Like, oh my god. Um, finish. And that was the finish to the match too. As soon as he did that, Andy just climbed to the top, uh, and got the contract. And he's like, haha, I'm the I'm the veteran. I'm the best. Heel, <laughs> middle fingers all around. <laughs> yeah. Um it wasn't it wasn't like a WWE event where the guy slowly takes forever to climb up the ladder and then naturally the guy gets up from the table and he's totally fine. Yeah, it's so cliche these days in WWE. Yeah. So it's something definitely you would have pre- appreciated, Travis, if you would have seen it. You did see the highlight though, right? It's the finish. It's been a minute since I've seen the highlights, but yeah, that's it's good. Yeah. It's good. At least he didn't kick out. <laughs> <laughs> so the main event, uh, which I really liked, my favorite match of the night, um, uh, Ilya Dragunov defends the title against uh, the many chops from Walter. Rad, I need your thoughts. You're gonna take. You're gonna. I'm gonna. Y- you have the honors to describe this entire match. Oh yeah, okay. I've marked Absolutely. out to Dragon Off and Walter enough. <laughs> yeah, I must say I marked out on this one as well. Uh, it was an awesome match. You definitely had, you know, that uh, I guess uh, David versus Goliath thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was definitely Chop City from from uh, Walter. Uh, this was the first time that I saw Dragon Off, uh, you know, in a in uh, watching a match in its entirety, and and uh, it was it was good stuff, man. And he literally was able to. Uh, you know, successfully uh, defend his title in this main event. Uh, I know there was some controversy at the end where, like, they they DQ'd, you know, Walter, and they were like, no, 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 we're going to continue. So then they restarted the match. Yeah, Dragunov got a mic, and he's like, no, we're not ending it here. I'm proving myself. I want to fight. Get the hell back in the ring. Like, don't go anywhere. I love that moment. It was, I had had to translate for you, but it was fine. And this this match was like everywhere. I mean, it even got into the uh, crowd. You know, people had to stand up from their seats and make room. It was it was good stuff. But yeah. oh man, I think the highlight of this entire match was the chest of Dragunov. That looked <laughs> really bad. Uh, I mean, uh, probably as as close to what you described earlier with Daniel Bryan and the greatest Royal Rumble, uh, if not worse. But uh, I was just uh, you know impressed with the match. And, yeah, it was and just a concentrated really... pectoral of blood vessels busted. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, he must have taken, I think we lost counts, but at least over 30 or 40 chops from Walter. <laughs> it's just every time he got up and got in his face, uh, it, it, like, Dragunov's the most kayfabe guy I, I, I am seeing right now in... Uh, in wrestling, in the wrestling world today, I think he's even more kayfabe than Minoru Suzuki because Suzuki, you know, in real life, is this like real nice guy. But as soon as the 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 ring, kind of like an Ultimate Warrior situation, as soon as the camera turns on, they they go kayfabe. We know nothing sure. about Dragonoff's like real life because WXW is so good at hiding uh, their real life from the camera. That's good, though. I think it provides mystique and the mystery behind the character. So whatever you see on TV, that's what you get. And that's what a lot of us kids grew up uh, on wrestling back in the day. That's the way it was. Yeah. Pro wrestling. <laughs> what a, what a wrestling. What a thought, right, Travis? <laughs> ah. Well, we got one more major indie event that happened, and that is Impact's Wrestling promote, uh, Pay-Per-View Redemption. Uh, like one of maybe two or three that that uh, TNA Impact's going to do th- for the year. Uh, yeah, is and I heard they knocked it out of the park with this one. Oh, everyone on I I was so surprised. Everyone on Twitter was going nuts. Uh, everyone yeah. liked it. Uh, so I'm going to start out with the question first. First and foremost, uh, Travis is Impact Wrestling the best weekly wrestling show on TV right now? <laughs> oh, because NXT exists. <laughs> <laughs> good answer that is a, that is not a bad answer what do you think what do you think rad uh i have to agree with travis on that if Damn not it. for nxt <laughs> uh, okay if not for nxt i would have to say impact is probably the best weekly program only because us fans are just so tired of what's going on with uh politics and wwe on both raw and smackdown mm-hmm. at least impact kind of brings you uh something fresh something that we haven't seen before uh, you know, people have to get that that dogma, you know, out of their mind that oh no, TNA sucks. They don't put out anything, you know, well. But now with the new product, you can tell that they're really trying to uh, push, you know, their their uh, wrestlers a lot harder and you know see what they can offer us. And for the little bit that I've seen, go ahead. Was in the very first place they're pushing unknowns to the forefront. Yes, yes, I mean that's that's what put them on the map. Yeah, and, and, they, and... They, had, they had to do that now. And I agree, it, it has gotten better. I have caught some of Impact. So we're going to talk the least about is the, like, the one I saw the full thing of, which is Ring of Honor. But uh, that is another weekly show. Um, the, Ring of Honor is not bad. I just feel like they rely on, I don't know, New Japan talent a little too much sometimes, and I don't know. Yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel a little bit the same way there, Travis. Yeah, but Impact's definitely got to be in the conversation with one of the best weekly. Way better than Raw has been. Oh yeah, I mean we're recording during Raw right now, and we don't, yeah. we have no regrets. <laughs> we don't care whatsoever. We're talking about indie wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, um, so on uh, w- one spot and main event in particular, because with all the with with Impact doing so many less pay per views than ever before, you know, they're two or three year. Uh, it really makes, to, to, in my opinion, is it really makes their their uh, their main event builds or their weekly um, television program mean more, and they're able to do more and make us more invested. So on April thirteenth, uh, they had the story building with Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie, and it ended up being this uh, no holds barred type match. Um, and I posted a screenshot uh, when this happened a few weeks ago, uh, where. Rosemary put Taya Valkyrie 
through a, a table from the top rope via pile driver. I saw that. Uh, you know, it's cool, I guess. It makes me, you know, definitely uh, white-eyed and, you know, double takes my head. But God damn, that's a stupid move to do. <laughs> it's very dangerous. I think it, it did what it what it was supposed to. And it created that holy shit moment. But uh, yeah, it's definitely dangerous for the talent. And, you know, uh, definitely dangerous for both both of them. You know, uh, not just Taya. Like, maybe in a way that's starting to become to become the new impacts mo in a way like the fog's starting to lift off the town now now it doesn't seem so glamorous they're doing things like this like they did with eddie edwards and, and sammy callahan these shock things to get people's attention things are good things that are going to piss off jim Cornette. they're doing to get people <laughs> to talk about them, which is smart but how many times can you do that before it's like oh well um yeah i mean we we're seeing weird just stupid risks like i'm seeing uh We'll, we'll, we'll get to New Japan, but I definitely got to bring it up now that we're talking about this pile driver off the top rope through a table. Because just saying that just sounds wild. The amount of ring apron moves is getting insane. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like, we've we even seen a lot of them in WWE, too, getting getting to that point. And, God, any, any of those... He just came back with Daniel Bryan. He just came back and he took that apron spot. And that was a nasty one, too. It's not like yeah. he soft-patted it. Yeah. Yeah, the edge of the ring with that with that wood and you know all it takes is like one guy just kind of missing it pushing it in all the way or you know just so many things can go wrong uh broken your leg neck, hits the rope back. yeah oh it's disgusting yeah. devil's advocate on that it looks fucking great on camera it looks tremendous but the consequences that come with that health wise over time like you said it, you gotta be careful yeah i think it's something that they should like maybe save for like a huge event to create like that you know, a uh, moment that'll be remembered, but of course it's got to be heavily prepared for, choreographed before going in. I mean, maybe some type of practice, but not just like on the spot. It's definitely dangerous for the talent. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of talent, uh, on to redemption, uh, there, was, there, was a, there was a good match between uh, Petey Williams and Matt Seidel for the X Division title. Very solid. Uh, Matt Seidel uh, retains. Uh, but there's two matches in particular that are worth talking about. And that is LAX defending their tag titles versus Eli Drake and Scott Steiner in 2018. Badasses! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and before, I, before we mention anything else, I have a Scott Steiner promo. But I'm a genetic freak! And I'm not normal, so you got a 25% at best at beating me. Uh, and for you guys, that was uh, just a clip from Scott Steiner's infamous math promo. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that would be it. Yeah, uh, so yes, Scott Steiner did cut promos on TV previously. He cut one earlier in the night. Uh, there was like a, a little funky thing with Petey Williams uh, doing... I have a 50% chance of winning this while so does Seidel. He also has a 50% chance. And then Steiner kind of comes in from the back and he goes, Oh, you're doing math. I know something about math. And he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> so we're very kind of self-aware on that. Um, the little bit of, of a story going into this was LAX was talking backstage and apparently Conan was taken out or something. And it really freaked LAX out. So their head wasn't quite in the game as they were going to the match and you could tell they were uh 
at least in kayfabe, they were, uh, it was really affecting them. So it kind of made us buy a little bit more of Eli Drake and Steiner. Yes, they are the new tag champions. They won a match. <laughs> they are the new tag champs in TNA. Impact. Uh, what a what a what a world we live in. 2018, Scott Steiner is tag champion. Thoughts, I gotta guys? Be careful of be careful of an impact. You gotta get that, that old stink off your promotion. You don't want to bring up old wounds like a Scott Steiner too much. <laughs> He even performed a uh, a real dangerous looking Frankensteiner near the end of the match too. Oh, did he really? Yeah, I, yeah, I missed that. I, I need to check that out. Yeah, Steiner almost landed on his own head and neck. It was, oh, it was man. yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a little too old for the Frankensteiner. Yeah, he was hobbling around the ring. <laughs> but it made hey, uh, I will admit this this match definitely made Eli, Eli Drake look incredibly strong. There was you know, uh, something. I yeah. think that's what it's all about. It's just pretty much elevating. I mean, yeah, sure, he's already been, you know, world champion, but he still has a lot, so much potential and a lot to offer. And I think this was just, uh, I guess, like a way to elevate uh, Eli Drake to newer heights. So Scott Steiner or not, you know, having Eli Drake as as you know the champion and coming out strong in the match, I think, is definitely good for his career. Yeah. What do you What do you think about this move with uh, Drake and Steiner, Travis? I mean, if you don't see star potential in Eli Drake, you're not opening your eyes. That guy's money. Yep. It's just a matter of time before he gets scooped up. Like a Pure lady. gold. Oh, yeah. It's it's so ridiculous. I mean, his, the the promos he was cutting with Steiner, like like Steiner cut up. Like, for example, Steiner cuts up a, a, a typical Steiner-type promo where it kind of doesn't make sense. English is fubbling around. Conan just goes, <laughs> I don't know what kind of uh, English you were uh, regurgitating out of your... Out of your uh, um, whatever, whatever fancy word Conan said, I can't remember what word he used, but it was really but funny. And then has to correct you on your English grammar. You know you done fucked up. Because... <laughs> oh yeah, it was pretty funny. And then Eli Drake moved, uh, kind of went off on that. He's like, "We got the big bad booty daddy here, and we got the big bad gravy daddy up over right on his side." I was like, "Oh god, yeah." Eli Drake is money. Um, uh, there was a so wild yeah. essentially. Oh yeah. Like he saved the Steiner promo, promo runs off him well. Uh, I I am not a hundred percent sure. I haven't been totally spoiled on Impact. Um, uh, I hadn't been able to watch it, but I think Drake like took the tag title away from Steiner and fired him from the tag team or something. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> so it might not be a, a a permanent thing with Steiner as the tag champ. I'm not totally sure on that. Um, It'd be the but, worst uh, thing in the world. Yeah, not the worst thing in the world, honestly. Steiner doesn't need to hang around too often. <laughs> there was a there was a house of hardcore Let's match. Tommy Steiner ear guards on Eli Drake and have him play that up. See if they can do it. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, uh, there was a house of hardcore match. Yeah, it was a good one-off. I will say, house of hardcore match with Tommy Dreamer returning to team up with Moose and Eddie Edwards against OVE, Sammy Callahan. Um, Basically, it was a hardcore match, as you can imagine. Uh, Eddie Edwards shined in being kind of this crazy dude going crazy because this dude's stalking my wife kind of thing, and Sammy Call Callahan being an insane dude that he is. Uh, good, ju just good little. The 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 rivalry's not over, so there's no. I don't think there's a point in continuing talking about it until it's until it is over. Um, basically, Eddie Edwards is slowly go slowly like losing his mind. Sammy Callahan's getting the best of him. Um, 
Moving on to the triple threat match was Pentagon, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix in a triple threat match against Austin Aries for the Impact title, and match was pretty good. I think it was a little too fast. It was obviously exhausting for some of the wrestlers, particularly Phoenix. That dude went all out. He was, like, losing his legs at the end of the match, kind of stumbling around uh, uh, doing his, like, rope particular moves. Um, did you guys see the highlights or watch the match at all? No, I, I'm just very well aware of the actual result and, and what took place, which I'm okay with. Uh, but other than that, I didn't really see the match. Mm. Travis? Because Pentagon. I saw the highlights because Pentagon Jr. is one of my favorite guys um, right now nice. in the world. He's great. Um, but yeah, it, it was good. I'm not the biggest Aries fan, though, so maybe that's why I didn't go out of my way to... Mm. Uh, I, I really like Aries and, and uh, his work rate and what he does in the ring. Uh, but Pentagon, wow. Like, any every time I watch this guy, he, he never ceases to impress me. That, is that how you say that right? He impresses me every time. There we go. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he won the match. I, I can't agree more with the, not just the balls that Impact has, uh, something WWE clearly doesn't have. We'll get there. <laughs> But putting, deserving putting, champion. Yeah, he's a deserving champion. New blood at the top of the title, top of the card with uh, with Impact. Um, there's some spoilers later that Ares won the title back at some point, but Impact's pre-taped, so th th it could happen You know, a month or so from now, right before Lucha Underground Season 4 starts. So to me, that makes sense. Uh, I'm just excited to ha see, uh, see a weekly television show with Pentagon as the Imp Impact champion. Uh, and you know how big of a Laparca mark I am, and he's the closest thing we had to Laparca in 2018. So I'm all about him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, that kind of does it for the indie scene. Uh, you guys have any final thoughts over the indie scene from uh, from in between now and Mania? No, I'm good. Travis, <laughs> go ahead, Rad. Oh no, no, I, I was just saying I'm I'm good. I was just saying just two cents on uh, Masters of the Craft show. Was it Ring of Honor? Oh, Did we'll get cast... there. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that still counts as the industry. No, no, no. So um, it, Ring of Honor in New Japan is considered what we call Tier 2. Cool. So it's not quite indie and it's not quite WWE. It's like in between. Yeah. So uh, I have my top 10 indie wrestlers um, over the past few weeks. Uh, number 10 is Absolute Andy from that TLC match. Number 9, Keith Lee from all the work he's done. Uh, looked solid in all of his matches. Uh, number 8, uh, Aussie Open slash Mark Davis with the Fatal 4-Way win and his match against Bobby Guns. Uh, 7, Austin Theory. Looking out for that dude. 6, Eddie Edwards. Really putting over. He he looked strong. He was the strongest guy on uh, uh, next to LAX and Pentagon uh, from Impact with the with the in-ring storytelling and him going insane, the moves he was pulling off. Five is LAX from True Colors and somehow putting up a good match with Scott Steiner in 2018. <laughs> Four is Ilya Dragunov. Three is Pentagon Jr. Two is Walter. And one is I caved Matt Riddle. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's interesting coming from you, JD. Yeah, so... I had to do it. I felt he was deserving, despite what I think of the guy. So, uh, moving on to Ring of Honor, Masters of Craft, Tier Two, and I have a drop to play for you guys. Um, where is it? 
There it is. Yeah, even though it's a New Japan drop, uh, we are going to be talking about New Japan. So, uh, Masters of Craft. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of a little uh, rivalry seemed to be going in 2018 between Jay Lethal and Jeremy Grisham, guys. Are you familiar with this? What? <laughs> I'm now. You are now? I'm glad I am. So, Travis, you watched their second bout of the year, then I take it. One, it was, man, it was great. Go on. <laughs> yeah, it was it was tremendous. It seems like another, we talked about it earlier with like the Zabisco and San Martino thing. It feels like a passing of the torch type thing, what they're going to do in the end or whatever. But mm -hmm. either way, it was a tremendous match. They did to the lethal injection into a backslide, which I'd never seen. That stood out to me. Um Gresham, the octopus character with literal octopus on his knee pads. I, I love that octopus stretches his finisher. I don't ever remember seeing that since like a goddamn Dory Funk or like a Guerrero back in the day. When's the last time you saw that? It's been a minute. Um, yeah, the only thing like, I can yeah. think of is I guess it was uh, what's her face in WWE. She had a sort of octopus stretch. Um, um, AJ Lee. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Another thing I liked about this was uh, uh, Lethal's little ode to his old gimmick. The little, he kind of had Macho Man colors going on with the Oh, no way. That's pretty cool. He actually, uh, yeah, he sorry. actually, well, in the, in the first bout uh, from uh, in January, I believe, um, he pulled out some of those old uh, black machismo, machismo moves in the match to beat Gresham. So him wearing it was probably on purpose. Uh, he even cut like kind of a, a Macho Man type promo before the match. He's like, Gresham, we met last time. You took me to the limit. Now show me how much you've improved in our second match kind of thing. It was, uh, <laughs> I, lo I love it. it. Yeah. yeah, I was always a fan of that character. He, he did it so well, so that's pretty cool. I need to check that out. Yeah, this is definitely... Um, this was probably the best match I have seen over the past uh since mania since that time like it was it was it was that good red and since travis watched it and he he speaks highly of it i mean that should be that should be enough right there oh yeah <laughs> one absolutely. of the biggest i've always been one of the biggest jay lethal advocates and it blows my mind why they never have gotten him or if he just doesn't go but i feel like he's not getting any younger but he's not getting any worse either it seems like every time i see him he gets more seasoned gets better. and better yep Oh yeah, and uh, even after the match, you saw an upset Gresham, uh, and Jay Lethal gets the mic, um, and basically goes, you know, you 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 seem to always uh, bring out the best in me, uh, but you haven't beat me yet. Uh, and then Gresham goes, I I I know I can do it eventually. I want one more. Let's do. Let's have a third match. Uh, we don't know when it's going to be, but it is. You know, Lethal just goes, yeah, let's do it. Um, so they're going to have one more. Um, it's it's now this is a type of uh rivalry and match built just strictly on what they're doing in the ring and i absolutely love it just simple effective story of gresham wanting to beat this guy it's it reminds me so much of rad what we talked about in the past uh the last cast with uh the star and walter series in in europe but this is like the technical version of it oh yeah okay yeah uh you know, because Star can't beat Walter. That was the whole deal. 
Uh, they're just slapping the shit out of each other. Walter ends up winning. This is like Gresham and 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 uh, Lethal just going tech, just going technical for technical move, and uh, just Gresham can't seem to beat Lethal. So I'm wondering if this will pull an opposite, where maybe in this third bout, Gresham will finally get the one up on on Lethal. That'll be interesting to see going forward. Uh, Travis, what what do you what do you think about this? What they're doing here? Yeah. I think that's exactly what they're going to do. There's no reason not to stretch it out. Yeah. There's obviously more of these guys are going to show in the ring. I think the next match might be the best one yet. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they this could be the trifecta we see this year, kind of like last year's uh, bait and done. Um, it's definitely getting there. Uh, the difference being last year, um, bait and done, we're fighting for a title every time. Uh so maybe this third match would be for a number one contender spot. Who knows? This this match, this little feud or whatever, it might be going under a lot of people's radar, and people need to go out of their way to check it out. It's worth your time. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it should. Um, well, the uh, that that was mostly the standout. The only thing I also want to mention from Masters of Craft, uh, Ring of Honor has been real quiet the last few weeks ever since their Supercard of Honor. There was a defy or deny number one contender match. I really like this idea. A, uh, a an elimination style match where it's three possible number one contenders and the title holder uh, in the match. If Dalton Castle won, then there would be no number one contender. Uh, while if anyone else won, they would then be the number one contender because they technically beat the champ. I, I quite like this idea of a match. Uh, very fun match, good spots, everybody looks strong, especially Dalton Castle. Yet, Marty Skrull pulls out another win and in sneaky fashion much like the villain character that he uh that he is so we get another dalton castle squirrel match going forward um i don't know what you guys think of this move to not have say a punishment martinez win and have a rematch with Skrull. Hey, you know what you shocked the world earlier with your matt riddle number one here comes my shocker of the night I enjoyed Marty Skrull in this match. I oh my he god, that is a shocker! <laughs> <laughs> the finish, the transition uh, where he reversed Dalton Castle's finisher into the wind—that was great. Um, I, these guys, these guys work well together, and he wasn't—we didn't work too silly. That's why I appreciated him in this. You know what I mean? Yeah. He worked how he hasn't been in the past to me in this. He got more serious, and it needed to be serious. The number one contendership was... And shout out to the Beer City Bruiser. My God. That guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you on that one. Rat, Rat are you um, familiar with uh, Beer still. City Bruiser? Uh, a little bit. I've seen some of his stuff, but I'm not familiar with what he had to offer in this um, you know, match in particular. He had to offer a massive body to get in everyone's way, and he did it well. I like the spot of the match where uh, Dalton, I tweeted out earlier, Dalton Castle comes in to his, um, Beer City Bruiser's manager, and Dalton Castle's like, those are my boys, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't mess with him. I yeah, I did love that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's gonna the whole how um Dalton Castle the story with his fingers being broken and that part that spot where like you could hear the pop that Squirrel did was great and the crowd was like oh yeah it it was that yeah I, I felt like this match was definitely bringing it up because it, it was it was a good match um it was I don't think it was better than their Supercard of Honor match but it was definitely I think it definitely flowed better 
if that makes any sense. The crowd seemed a little flat at first, too, considering what they'd already sat through, but they were into it by the end of it, I feel like. And they were they were behind Skrull getting the win. Yeah. Well, anything after Lethal Gresham will will kill the mood. <laughs> You'll just they be like, oh my god, I need to change my pants yeah. after that match. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, there, I mean, there was there was a match earlier in that night with Matt Taven and, and uh, Matt Taven of Kingdom versus Cody Rhodes of Bullet Club or whatever he's <laughs> representing these days. Um, nice little his own little world of Bullet Club, I guess. Yeah, it's it's really it odd. It still what's has going yet on to be official. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like yeah, able. yeah. That that was also a good match. Um, very good storytelling uh rivalry going forward uh i quite liked what matt taven and, and and rhodes had to offer there there was a couple other uh things that went down i quite liked it yeah because uh matt taven no cody rhodes broke his like busted open his knuckles and as he was hitting uh taven the ref you know you thought that taven was going to be was being busted open but it turns out it was Rhodes, who uh, who ripped his knuckles open, he like punched a chair, if I remember correctly. And oh, that's damn. what did it. Yeah, I I, I so liked they, it. I liked it. Did he do it for the uh, greater good of pro wrestling, or was that an accident? Uh, no, I think he like got in the corner and kind of cut his cut his knuckles open a little bit on purpose. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think that's what happened. Real there. first blood match to be against Disco Inferno. Let's be real here. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> where he hits a ring apron spot on them just to spite him <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I enjoyed okay. this match way more than I thought I would just because Matt Taven was in it but yeah it's probably the best I've seen from Matt Taven in a while I'm not I, a big Matt Taven fan I agree uh, if Matt Taven does more more uh, matches like this then he's got a bright um, an even brighter feature ahead of him even more outside the kingdom I, like, I love the persona that they're developing uh, for him and He's getting stronger and stronger looking uh, each time I see him. This was uh, a great example of his improvement. Uh, so shall we move on to New Japan then? I'm down. Alrighty. So New Japan, they've been doing oh, their... Road to Dantaku. Uh, <laughs> I, I have caught up with days one through five. It's a lot of New Japan. Um, honestly, uh, the... New Japan, luckily, they don't do a uh, weekly television show. Otherwise, I would definitely get burned out by their product. Uh, because even trying to do this Road to Dentaku, uh, it was kind of a task. It felt like a task at, at one point because it's just a slew of tag match after tag match. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this way. Uh, I get why they do it. I agree why they do it. Um G1 feels like that to me after a while, too. Yeah. Uh, the, the, this definitely... Uh, I, I definitely felt some fatigue after the first two days. Um, three, man, nothing happened at all. Day four, uh, I, I got to the point where it's like, why, do I, why am I even watching most of this? Because I could just watch a lot of the backstage promos cut on YouTube, on New Japan's YouTube page. Uh, and then just watch the main event of each Robinson day. Cut. Say again, Travis? Robinson cuts backstage and promos instead of watching most of the matches. That's all you need to do. Yeah, I mean, some of the matches, you know, I'm always up for uh, a couple of events, but um, watching the whole event, like, I, I, I honestly, I've been skipping the Young Boy events lately. I just don't care. 
Some of my favorite things on YouTube are just those highlight clips of just the promos at these events that are edited out. Those are great. They're hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, I agree um, with that. Yeah. So just some some quick notes. Uh, day one had a fun ten man like battle royal match again. Uh, Taguchi versus Chaos. It came down to Finley throwing out Jay White to extend that feud, like build it up. Um, that went into day four, where they would eventually. Uh, fight for the U.S. title against one another. Uh, I just want to note, essentially a Rapungi 3K losing streak, or them losing a lot, or at least getting the shit kicked out of them during a match. Uh, they're lo- they're, I, I re- I'm, I'm, I'm a really big babyface Rapungi 3K fan, especially with Rocky Romero. Um, I don't know what's going on with them, though. They're losing a lot. Uh, do you guys have any thought on that, thoughts on this? Isn't he kind of like transitioning to a commentary guy and winding it down? Maybe. Maybe. But what about the the, the two? He's or he's becoming a manager. Uh, of the two, which I'm fine with. But the the tag team's solid. There's storyline really... where like there's storyline where like he keeps eating the pens and helps to like after time he's weighing the team down and he steps aside to be like a Gato is to an Okada or something. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, day two was a fun ten, another ten man elimination match. This time, Lij against Suzuki Gun. Uh, this was pretty cool because it basically came down to Hiromu Ta- Hiromu Takahashi taking on everybody from Suzuki Gun, uh, kind of like a Dolph Ziggler Survivor Series comeback. Uh, but eventually he did, yeah. <laughs> but eventually he did lose to El Desperado. Uh, uh, cheating. And then um, at one point, Suzuki just jumps Naito and they go to the back and, and fight because Suzuki has, I guess he wants to kill Naito. <laughs> it's pretty funny and brutal looking. Um, the junior heavyweights continue to cut promos that they are the best division in New Japan. They're really hyping up that Will Ospreay, Kushida uh, bout that's that's coming down the line. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I really like the promos being cut uh, between all these guys and the junior heavyweights. Uh, I look forward to seeing what what the, the future is installed for the for this division. Do you guys have any thoughts over what the junior heavyweights are doing? They always seem to stay ahead of the curve. With they either make the weight, they move up, or like get signed somewhere else. They always seem to have punish it fast. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, Rad, yourself? Yeah, I kind of have to agree with Travis on that. They just, uh, you know, continue to, I guess, uh, replenish what they're doing, and they just go from there. Two cents. I'm glad they're smart enough to know that Kushida doesn't have the charisma to carry it. (laughs) That's probably why it's a revolving door, and they're trying other things with other uh, wrestlers, so to speak. Yeah, it's very interesting. Even Marty Skrull... um... Uh, I, I mentioned in the last cast where he he throws that pro he threw that promo where he's like I don't get why there's this stigma that if you're in the junior heavyweight you have to go up to the heavyweight like it's like you're moving up from division two, you know, uh, and that I, I I really like what they're doing here. Um, and Osprey I think is the per that the the perfect person right right now in this moment to to carry it. He's got the he's got the persona and the baby face to go along with it. And it's funny you brought that up. I just feel that. Go ahead, Travis. <laughs> Saying that he just has the momentum and the buzz right now mm-hmm. to put it on a mix-up. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
And I think uh, Kenny Omega did the same when he moved from the junior over to, you know, world heavyweight. It just seems that I guess they had some sort of like a cookie cutter uh, thing going on with everybody's career. And they just kind of like maintained that. And now they're kind of breaking away from that. Yeah. Setting a new precedent for a division. I, I quite like yeah. it. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely something I wish WWE would do right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, it, 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 well, you know what? We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, yeah, I know it's coming. Oh, uh, yeah, if you looked at the uh, the agenda, I have a specific thing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, okay, so day four, um, nothing happened. Day five, guys, uh, <laughs> nothing happened of note. The point the point Bummer. of day four was the Jay White versus Finley Junior match for the U.S. title, and uh, this was very fun to watch. Um, I liked what I saw. This is. The best David Finley Jr. match I have seen out of the guy. Uh, I think this was his breakthrough character match and who he is and how they're going to use him going forward. And Jay White was a bit of a heel in this match. Uh, the crowd was very much uh, babyface for Finley. And Jay White was throwing some shade. He was he was talking some shit throughout the match. Uh, Finley at, at points was hitting... He hit the switchblade on, on Jay White. Uh... Uh, I honestly thought Finley was the better wrestler here. Um, yeah, Jay White did win off of reversing a um, what? Uh, I guess it was reversing a bat, uh, 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 like a lumbar check type move into the the uh, the switchblade finisher. Um, and then Jay White cut a promo, basically saying, "Yeah, Finley, you belong in this main event scene, but you don't belong in the same ring as me." get that trash out of here. He said, uh, I don't know what's in store for me in the future. All I know is I'll be waiting on the winner of the Tanahashi, uh, Okada match or whoever comes for the U S title first. So Jay White's definitely, uh, being pushed hard in new Japan. Um, and Finley is going to be pushed further. I feel uh, good MVP performance from Finley. I feel, uh, did you guys see this match by any means or see a highlight? I didn't see this one, but I saw plenty of their other ones when they were young lions because these guys came up together and pretty much kind of broke through in a way together. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Jay White was definitely talking talking some shit to uh, to Finley like mid match, saying like you're still a young boy, I'm above your level, I you know I'm you know two twenty fifteen, you're still you're still there, Finley. This was mid match, and uh, of course he had a change of heart when Finley almost beat him. <laughs> It was good. It was good. Uh, I look forward to see where both these guys go in the future. Uh, what what Jay White does one thing in particular that really bothers me, and I'm not sure if you guys have noticed this. Uh, when there's a big move hit on Jay White, uh, he didn't do it as much during Okada, but I did notice it. He did it a lot in this Finley match, where there where he gets a heavy move put on him, the guy pins him, and he. Jay White looks directly at the ref and watches his hand go up and down until he hits the three. Oh, so he's relying, I guess, on visual cues? That's what it looks like, and it's very obvious. It's just something that really bugs me about Jay White. Have you guys caught this at all? I, I haven't really noticed it, to be honest. Yeah, but I trust you. Okay. Yeah, if it's something that I would notice, it would definitely bother me, especially yeah, uh, if it's you know recurring. Yeah. Um. 
there's there's one there's one instance where uh, Finley hits a big move on Jay White, um, and he just drapes his hand over his chest, and this is when you get a hard cam on Jay White, and he, it's like clear as day. He's just looking at the ref. Uh, you can kind of tell when the cameras. You can kind of not tell when the camera's further away, but this was just happened to be right on his face while he's looking at the ref. <laughs> oh, damn. Make it so obvious. Yeah, it was really bad. Dean Ambrose does all the time, pretty much. Yes, Dean off, so. Ambrose does yeah, that he, shit, too. He does. I've noticed that. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, any, any final New Japan thoughts uh, as we move away from Tier 2? Now let's move forward. Yeah. All right. Well, I got my top ten. They're in that time of year where they don't got a lot going on, kind of. Yeah, they're 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 heading towards Dentaku, and then they got to build the G one and Dominion going up. So yeah, it's it's right around their their lull period, um, which is okay. The off season, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah, the recovery season. Yeah. Um, So uh, just moving down quickly, the top ten. Ten, I put Hiromu Takahashi for his valiant effort. Uh, Cody Rhodes, Marty Skrull, seven, Matt Taven, six, Jay White, even though he he irked me, he did still put on a good performance. Zack Sabre Jr. for all of his indie work. Uh, four, David Finley Jr., MVP performance on day four of Dentaku. Three, Jonathan Gresham, uh, obvious reasons. Two, Will Ospreay, obvious reasons. And number one, can you guess, Travis? A lethal. That's right. <laughs> Not nice. even close. Damn. Not even a question. <laughs> I guess we all agree on the list. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. it was definitely easier to make than my indie list, uh, um, and uh, definitely easier to make than WWE because WWE is just a nightmare to make any sort of top ten. <laughs> oh, it's not even worth it these days. Ugh. They're not even predictable. Like no matter what you put, like it's just gonna change the very next week. I think the only one predictable outcome is always Brock Lesnar, and that's not favored by anybody by any means. <laughs> well, the only thing in WWE that took my top ten this week was a botch. That was it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which one? <laughs> my God. Show was a botch, by the way. All right, so uh, rather than rather than busting down uh, everything that's happened in WWE, I actually have topics for each each uh, promotion that's happening right here. So sounds good. Um, as I play AJ Styles drop to introduce us into the world of Tier One WWE, bear with me. All right, so they don't want none. Well, we got to talk about it anyways. <laughs> but let's start with NXT. Um, my idea of a topic, because after this uh, heavy feud, they're, clearly after NXT last week, um, they're still going to have the Gargano Champa feud. I think that was more or less obvious to begin with. However, my talking point was, I think they should float Gargano and Champa uh, for either the... NXT title, the North American, and 205 Live uh, to really spice up what improvement we're seeing on 205 Live. What do you What do you guys think of this topic? Or if you have any other thoughts at all, uh, Rad, no, why don't actually, you go first? Yeah, I, I kind of like the that idea. It, it you know definitely makes sense. And now I think it's time to elevate the uh, 
the feud that they're going with now involving a title and what better title than, you know, the, uh, the North American title now new to NXT. Uh, and I think they're the perfect fit for it as well. So I would definitely like to see that. And yeah. now, uh, we'll see where it goes. I do want to make it clear. I'm not saying that they should permanently be on 205 live. I think NXT is their home, uh, but I would like to see them on the show still. That's why I use the word float. Um, Travis, what is, what is, uh, what is your take on, the future of Gargano and Champa. I'd like to see it play out, quite frankly, just because it's been done so well. And maybe that's selfish. I, I'm in no rush to see anyone ever go from NXT, and it's always going to be that way because what we see this continuation of just stagnation when they get on the main roster. So let it play out. Fuck, let it be good while it's good, I guess. Right, right. But yeah. um, let, let's say as individuals then, like at once this once this feud is uh, is over with. Uh, so to say, uh, Travis, what what do you what do you think about that? Summertime, I'd like to see Champa transition, and I think he should get the belt off Black. Okay. Yeah. Then you go back to Gargano finally for the title, NXT World uh, Title. Ooh, have a wrestling match against Gargano. Oh, interesting. That'd be good. A wrestling match, and, and, and you know, shout out to you. I'll throw it to a Bret Hart throwback here. Mm-hmm. A wrestling match that was a. Like Bret Hart, British Bulldog in your house, December '95. That match was a wrestling oh. match, but it was physical as hell, and it was a bloodbath. Yeah, it was oh. great. Beautiful. That's a that's a that's a great retro reference there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're all kind of in agreement. Uh, Travis, what do you think about the float idea to 205 Live every now and again? Maybe maybe like near nearing the end of the year or in the fall. Depends. I mean, it's positive as we thought 205 Live was looking before Mania. Now it kind of seems like they're going back to this. I don't know. There's really no buzz still for 205 Live. Mm, um, is it a good thing? Do, but, but bringing in a Gargano, bringing in a Gargano and a Ciampa would add to that buzz. So take a risk. Why not? You got two of them there. They don't always have to be tied at the hip. So you could separate them on different shows. Right. For sure. Yeah. Get a get a new type rivalry there. I'd love to. I'd love to see. I like this story. Well, speaking of 205 Live, why don't we continue on that? Uh, they got this budding storyline with Buddy Murphy. See what I did there? Uh, and clearly he's going to be the future of 205 Live, you know, the best kept secret kind of thing. I'd love to see a rivalry with him and Gargano some at some point down the line. I think that's money. I could see that. You know what, J.D.? I, I do want to say, though, and that's only from my this is only from my personal experience with 205 mm-hmm. Live, which I can care less for. I think I've been vocal about this in the past, especially sure, in our sure. previous WrestleCast. Um, you know, I would like to see this, this uh, you know, rivalry continue between Gargano and Ciampa, but uh, I just think that maybe if they were to end up on 205 Live, it could potentially hurt them, and not a lot of people will care to see it. I love these guys. I love the feud that's going on, but if it's something that's going on at 205 Live, I might not be engage as much as i am if they remain on nxt or go over to the main roster and just skip the 205 live period i think these guys just deserve so much more and to me 205 live is kind of like a step back even from nxt so i mean that's just my opinion they're doing with 205 live what tna is doing essentially for a whole company is they're getting that old stink off of it yeah 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 i mean maybe maybe by the end of the year uh your viewpoint will change on what 205 i've lived is because right right now the last like month or so um there's been a clear improvement uh i i'm i've been really liking the the differing main events that are that that's doing uh one one in particular was the tornado tag match uh between 
uh, Hideo Itami, Akira Tozawa against uh, Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik. That match was ridiculously good. Rad, if there if there's a match that will at least uh, make you rethink that even one iota, that would be a match to check out. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. And you know, one one thing that I want to maybe give credit, and not to knock the guy, but I want to say Enzo may have hurt the product, and now that he's gone, I think it's a major improvement to what it was before. I just think nobody was able to take it seriously, you know, before, and and oh, when and they had that, absolutely uh, right. Yeah, and when they had that the cruiserweight, uh, you know, match over at on the pre-show, uh, was it of WrestleMania? Um, if, I, if memory serves me right, I think even uh, uh, you know, uh, what's his name now, Drake Maverick, uh, formerly known as Rockstar mm-hmm. Spud, you know, personally uh, issued or or you know presented the championship. Like it just had a lot of prestige to it, and I did like that, uh, you know. And I just think maybe if they had more of that, it, the product itself will have a lot more respect, you know, from the from the fans and even myself. Yeah, well, they they had that uh, gauntlet match to to push Kalisto over as a true contender. Uh, and we saw that at the Greatest Royal Rumble where Cedric Alexander, uh, who, by the way, is doing great not having a microphone in his hand and not being on, on the uh, on the air as often. I think it makes uh, it's good for his character because he doesn't have much of one, honestly, or at least persona wise. Um, yeah. And the match that they put on at the Greatest Royal Rumble was, in my opinion, the match of the night, at least from a wrestling perspective, which is the point of which these guys are supposed to do. What I really appreciated that. And it was on the sure. main card. It wasn't on some pre-show. <laughs> Years since WrestleMania, that match the other day. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, go on, go on, Travis. Keep going. Cedric Alexander. It was really good. Um and it's a shame because it was that crowd was exhausted from just seeing Cena and Triple H kick it off. Oh, so yeah. they, they, well, they they didn't really react as much. To be honest, that crowd didn't look it, didn't look they... into it from the start. You know, all the sheiks were in their their corner hanging out, uh, powwowing. <laughs> oh man, I saw that going on the whole night. Chilling. <laughs> you say you can have the best match in the whole world, but if it's in front of a dead crowd, it takes away a lot. Thankfully, that match was incredible, so it it is worth a second look. I've been I've been doing a two or five live show for almost a year, and it's something I feel like I've been complaining about forever. When your show is based around these guys, that their gimmick is they're phenomenal in ring, it's not fucking hard to book this show. Streamline, vignette every now and then, let the ending work through the talking. But unfortunately, we can't ever have that. Right. It's Gaga. It's bullshit. It's Alicia Fox, and it's it's never been it's the new hard to figure break. out what the problems were. Yeah. I think maybe if it, if it uh, was a separate show on its own, it would definitely work. I totally agree with you on that, Travis. I mean, to think that a show in a division that has guys like Grand Metal League, TJ Perkins, all these guys in it, has become the equivalent to the old Divas piss break when it comes on. And that's a shame, because these guys are tremendous. Or maybe they should turn the, uh, uh, what what is the NXT weekly program? Maybe like an hour long? Maybe they should make it a two-hour show. Uh, stick into a five live either before or after. I think that would work as well. No, I think two hours is just is just too long. There's a there's not enough diversity in the talent that would that would die out very quickly. Those two hours. Just put just eradicate the cruiserweight show. Have the title, okay? Cut cut fat with some of these guys, okay? God bless him. There is no need to have Ari Davari on my television screen. He doesn't add anything, and that's no slight 
But he's a, he's the epitome of a channel changer right now, just like a Zack Ryder or Mojo Rawley. He, you cut the fat, you cherry pick the best guys, and there's no reason Cedric can't go for the IC belt. There's no reason a, a cocky TJP can't have some hilarious angle with Braun. How great would that be? Braun getting his hands on that little shit? I love that. <laughs> you could go on for hours about the problems with the cruiserweights, though. I mean, that's just scary. right. I I hear you. So, um, well, speaking of problems, okay. So we recently had the superstar shakeup post mania, and it was a big deal. We saw a bunch of uh, returns, debuts, uh, what have you. Um, my personal opinion on all this uh, between Raw and SmackDown is I think WWE phoned it in on all these debuts and returns. I think they phoned it in during the Superstar Shakeup. SmackDown, we still haven't even seen these guys announced. So my my quick opinion is why bother announcing them at all? Uh, it just feels like it's an expectation to essentially just have these debuts for the sake of debuts after Mania. Yeah. Because it is their the Raw after Mania is the biggest show the their biggest television show of the year. We've already seen the ratings plummet afterwards. So is it even? My question is then: Is it even worth just having just feel like having this obligation at this point? And why not just build something smaller over time than just this one night pop episode that is just phoned in? It's just here's an entrance. I didn't even get the uh, the pops when these guys showed up. It was it it, it felt like a uh, a wasted effort almost. I'm being pretty negative, Nancy here, but this is it's just my uh, my opinion. No, you're and you know what? I totally 100% agree with you. It's become tiresome. You know what the best surprises are in life? The ones you never see coming, and when you expect debuts every year, the Raw after Mania it takes a lot away, and that's why you hear less and less each year at Raw after Mania from the crowd when these new debuts come up. Like, it's kind of there still. It was it was all right. Bobby Lashley was shocking how low it kind of was. It should have been bigger pop. Sure. Been in the rumors. You know what I mean? It, I just, I, I hate what this Raw after Mania has become, this expectation that new new blood has to show up. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Rad, what is your thought on this? Yeah, same thing. I think Travis described it perfectly. Uh, you know, I guess the lost art that lacks in today's product is, you know, back then you were literally shocked, you know, you were surprised. And now it's like when you're expecting it, it's just not the same. I mean, yeah, sure. It creates maybe like a moment uh, or a temporary pop, but it's just it's just not lasting. And And to be quite honest, it's not something memorable because... You know, I, I can't even, I, I watched the entire show, the both Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania, and I can't even remember what the hell I saw. So it just goes to show you that it just doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't make as much of an impact had it been maybe a surprise, you know, and maybe when somebody they, like... They, I'm sorry, Rad. No, go ahead, man. I don't mean to keep doing that. <laughs> no, 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 no worries. I just really agree with you on this. And I think the whole uh, Bobby Lashley thing would have been better done had it been, you know, a shocking surprise and, and not expected because of, you know, online rumors and whatnot. Maybe they should have saved it for the superstar shakeup the following week, you know? Oh, we're, we're trying to look for, you know, free agents and let's bring this guy on board. I don't know. It's just some something that I just don't want to see anymore uh, raw after WrestleMania. It just doesn't add anything to the product. Uh, speaking of Bobby Lashley, I, I can't not talk about it. Uh, what is his finisher? Is it really a delayed suplex? Yeah. <laughs> is it? 
Travis, I, I know, I, right? I mean, you're, you're you're laughing there, but yeah, yeah, I think it, that's it what it is. I haven't seen him do the Dominator or anything, so I guess they call him the Dominator every thirty seconds, but I haven't seen him. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it's and I'm seeing rumors that Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley is just off the table as an option. Like what? I'm wondering now if that was written in Lesnar's new contract. I can't face that guy. Nah. <laughs> And that's unfortunate because that's probably the only thing he can have, you know, going for him uh, today. And that's something that I wouldn't mind seeing. You know, I can't stand Lesnar right now, but if you were to go up against somebody like Bobby Lashley, that I mean, that's money. You know, it'll appeal to wrestling fans and, you know, MMA fans. Sure. Well, anyways, okay. So here's, okay. So there is some positives to take out, and that is the new card set up on not just Raw, but also SmackDown. SmackDown, you know, ran Smackdown away with... Won. SmackDown yeah. won Thursday. I think we all agree with that. But this they monopolized is what, the roster. This is, this is the best potential setup on both shows in years. Uh, Travis, we, we spoke about this before with uh, uh, Rollins having the Brett Belt, the IC title. Um, Le- Lesnar's going to have that title for, for forever, or he's going to fight with... Uh, uh, Roman Roman Reigns uh, forever and Rad, did I not? You're excited for you're excited for Roman and gender. Just admit it. The possibility of that. <laughs> oh my god! But Rad, did I not? Did I not get my wish? Did uh, I not yeah, get I my guess, wish? <laughs> I guess you, you did. Apparently, I hate that belt. So, that that red jam belt so much that have Lesnar <laughs> and Reigns fight forever, so I don't have to care about it and watch it and. God damn it, did I get my wish. <laughs> and a botched finish on top of it. <laughs> From, yeah. I saw nothing but a highlight, and it was like, yep, that's that, that that's what we got. So uh, we'll, we'll get there uh, because it's absolutely hilarious what happened at the Greatest Royal Rumble because it was, it was, it was, well, it was a show that happened. Um, uh, so Rollins has the IC title, and this is, this is what I've, I've deemed establishing the card on both brands. Uh, you can have your your Lesnar and your Reigns, you know, have the have the jam belt, okay? What well, if you're gonna have a weekly television show, you have to establish a card. Uh, so these are the names I've put in just top of my head. I put this in uh, in the in the doc here. I have Rollins as the IC champion, a, a heel Bobby Roode, and I use heel specifically <laughs> for a reason. Uh, Finn Balor, Lashley, Strowman. Ziggler McIntyre as a duo, KO and Sami Zayn as the duo. Uh, either either guy will work. Then you have guys left over for various rivalries. Uh, Elias, you get your Elias, your Gender, your My- Rise of Mike Kanellis, who we saw return by the way. Your No Way Jose, your Chad Gable, Dean Ambrose is injured, uh, Bo Dallas, what have you. Um, you know the, the these guys don't all. You, you you build something around your your main talent guys always going going for that IC title. You're gonna have your undercard guys like your Elias and and uh, that don't need the title, but they can still have a reason to fight and and win matches. Um, what what are your thoughts on my situation with Raw and establishing the card? Are you guys in in the same picture? Are you in the ballpark? Are you feeling it more or less? Like what do you feel? Uh, Travis? 
I think that the main thing I would do is to get obviously that jam title relevant again and, and Lesnar back to being an attraction. I, I don't want the IC title to, because it like, as much as I love that belt and just the workhorse aspects of it, I still like my world title to be my world title. You know what I mean? Maybe that's the old school of me. No, it event. makes sense, but, that, that, but, but that's not what's being presented in front of us. So I'm trying to work with what what's given to us. The best case scenario, yeah, I mean, totally. I don't want it to go back to guys like Ezekiel Jackson at all, you know what I mean? I definitely agree. It should be a guy right now. He's right yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Intercontinental Championship. I think it has so much history and prestige behind it. So having guys like, you know, Seth Rollins, you know, defend it and, and battle for it, I think it just adds that much to the championship, which is rightfully deserved to the title that has been in our lives, you know, for a very long time. Uh, uh, as far as, as, you know, you mentioned, J.D., what's presented to us, it's unfortunate that the main event championship is considered the part-time you know, non-legends title belt, you know, if you will. Right. But it's, it's. I mean, it is what it is, and just nobody cares for it. I, I can still honestly say that the only time that I gave a damn about this championship was when Finn Balor won it at uh, SummerSlam, what was it, 2015? Unfortunately, the day after, due to injury, he had to relinquish it, and that was the end of it. Ever since then, it just became, uh, you know, a championship as what, what we're seeing right now with Brock Lesnar. Uh, I'm a WCW guy, huge fan of Goldberg. I didn't mind him holding on to the championship during that time, but just having Lesnar have the championship is like, oh my God, you know, maybe it'd be better if somebody else were to challenge him for it, but then you have, you know, Roman Reigns and it's just not a product. It's not working. WWE seems to, you know, just not get the the hints and they just continue to give us what we don't want to see. We don't care for it. So if the Intercontinental Championship is going to be the next best thing on Monday Night Raw, you know, to keep me engaged and for me to care, to watch the show. I mean, so be it. I'm okay with it. But again, I agree with Travis that the old school aspect is it shouldn't be like that. That should be the mid card workhorse mm -hmm. championship. And you need the main championship to be, you know, what's presented uh, uh, in the main event. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, unfor unfortunately, I think um, the guys left for the rivalries that I named your, your Noah, his your Mike Canellis. I think Elias is going to remain a simple gimmick to be to to just be on Monday Night Raw. Um I think Bo Dallas is going to be a punching bag, Chad Gable. I hope God damn it, that guy can wrestle and I really hope they do more than just have him get jobbed out to guys like Jinder Mahal. <laughs> yeah, they beat him. So that's good. Yeah, they should have kept him once. as a tag team. Um I'm I'm also really afraid that they're going to use Ziggler and McIntyre as a tag team only. For a quite some time. If anything needs to change in that company as far as Raw and Top Guys, it was when McIntyre cut that promo. You know what I mean? Right there. That guy is capable. You talk about an IC division changer, bringing credibility, right? He's got everything right now. You know what I mean? He's oh, yeah. a, they need to go immediately. Yeah. At least I wouldn't even hate him as a heel against Roman as a baby face because at least McIntyre is still in the feud. He's just that good right now for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I quite I, I did see that promo and it was it was quite funny how real he was in it. He's like, I see a bunch of guys that are complacent and don't like pretty much give a shit where they are anymore. Uh, I'm I'm the wake up call, you know, because he's he was there. He was in that position years ago, so he knows. Uh, it felt real to me. And McIntyre, 
I just want them to do what they never do is capitalize on a promo like that while it's relevant, while it's hot, while it's fresh. Don't wait months and then realize okay, when the guy's been fucking wrestling Apollo Crews or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's too late afterwards. Yeah. Well, let's move on to SmackDown. Um, establishing the card mentality here. I have your WWE title guys. Now, you can disagree with the guys. Uh, um, like, it, it, I, I'm curious who you guys would, like, change out in this, but I have uh, Styles Champion, Nakamura, Daniel Bryan, Rusev, Orton, Samoa Joe, and Almas, in parentheses, thank fucking God, Zelina Vega is with him. Yes. <laughs> we were totally afraid of that, but oh. uh, no, she came on board with him, so that's Wh- whom, great. Whom we haven't fucking seen on SmackDown yet. <laughs> if they if he's not there tomorrow night, I might as well just give up on watching highlights of SmackDown cuz then they they they'll they'll put him as a uh, a jobber to freaking uh they'll put him in Ty Dillinger territory. <laughs> oh man. They might wait till then to bring him out or oh. something. Have him interfere in the Hardy match or something. At least start him in a in a heavy duty mid card because Jeff Hardy's still the U.S. champion, and I think you keep Miz there no matter how over he is. I think he's perfect for the mid card to carry that. He proved that with his IC title runs. You, yeah. Uh, Ty Dillinger's that that same type of character. Uh, you have potential with anyone from Sanity doing that, not just in the tag division. Cesaro and Sheamus are capable of doing that clearly because Sheamus is heading out. Let's face it, Cesaro is a workhorse. As good as anyone, uh, Big Cass is perfect for that. I, I, but he's a big sweaty guy, seven feet tall. So clearly, what they're doing with him against Brian, which I agree with the rivalry, but I don't think Cass is a main event guy. That's my personal opinion. Your Shelton Benjamin, I want to see Big E go uh, for the U.S. title, not just be uh, your Freebird New Day type character. Um. And you can have various guys occasionally cha- challenge or move up and down for vo- momentum. Uh, one note I want to make uh, in particular is Sheamus being on his way out. I think when the time does can't happen, because it is going to happen, that would you bring up a Cassius Ono because he'd be perfect. If if uh, Travis, you'd pr- be oh, definitely familiar with this with uh, the Chris Hero Colladio Cesaro so tag team. <laughs> I would pop so hard if they did that. Oh yeah, absolutely. The, I'm surprised they the got only more. tolerable version of Chris Hero for me is in that tag team. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not a big Chris Hero. Like I I'm not even I wasn't even a Ring of Honor guy at the time, but those two stood out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely knew who they were as well. And I wasn't even watching Ring of Honor. Yeah. So what do you guys what do you guys think of uh the situation uh, I have in front of you? I know I gave you guys a copy of of uh, the agenda. So who who would you move up? Who would you move down? Do you have anything you'd like to to change or say about what's in front? Uh Travis, why don't you go first? I'd love this or not okay, I'll do 5 6 months. Maybe SummerSlam. I'd love to see Ty Dillinger and Almas for the uh, US title. Ooh, that would be good. That would be yeah, hell of a match. I would, I, man, I'm so thankful you said that about almost because I feel like I was one of the few guys that I don't want to see him shoehorned immediately into the main event. Seeing you smart start small with him, I feel like he's worth yeah. it. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think I, Hardy I, could definitely give him that boost too. Yeah, even though, even though I say he's a, he's a main event guy, I'm, I'm always for having guys, uh, run the mid card and earn their way, which is what they missed doing with gender hard. Main event situation SmackDown's fine right now. No need to throw him in just yet. Smojo's there waiting to jump in any second. Right. You know? Yeah, there's plenty of talent right there, but in time, almost can get there. 
because he is definitely that kind of character. And yeah, even a, even an old line and a young cub type storyline with Almus and Styles for no belt just for the storyline sounds like gold on paper to me in the future, and it's worth waiting for because Almus mm-hmm. is that good. Hell yes. yeah, man! And I think that would bring over uh, some new Japan marks to at least watch the product or give it a chance. Uh, Rad, what do you what do you think about uh, the, the the characters and positions I have them in? I agree with your list. Uh, the only thing is, that I, I'm not sure, and this is only my opinion. I know he's over AF right now, but I I, I still can't see Rusev as a main eventer or even challenging Brad for the main championship. Rusev, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I, I, <laughs> I I haven't bought into that. It's just it's not my thing. Like, you know, to me. Uh, what I'm a fan of when it comes to pro wrestling is, you know, the uh, the seriousness, the story of an actual competition. Mm-hmm. And this whole Rusev day just comes off as comedic. And I'm afraid down the road, it's going to become another new day. It's only a fad right now. Give it some months and people are going to forget about it, you know. And I'm just not a fan of that. You know, I'd rather see Rusev seriously crush people than come out, you know, chanting Rusev day this, Rusev day that. I'm just not a fan of it. So as far as I'm concerned, again, I, I think the guy is very talented. Uh, he deserves to be in a main program, but I just don't know if the main event is fit for him. I would stick him, you know, the mid card, at least for, you know, the uh, the U.S. Uh, title picture. Okay, but then as far as, uh, who would you move up then instead? Okay, then who would I move up? Let's say you mentioned Sheamus is uh, possibly on the way out. Um, and I mean, let's face it. I, I doubt they'll never do anything with the, you know, the Kings of wrestling. It is WWE. We all want to right. see that, but I doubt they'll ever do anything with that. So keep Cesaro, uh, singles, man. I, I I've been saying it before that this mm-hmm. guy should have been world champion years ago. Uh, and maybe this might be his time. So I definitely move him up and I think you would have a stacked, you know, main event, uh, card there okay, for so the uh, WWE that. championship picture. Yeah. Okay. I just don't think um, I, I the the reason why I put Roos up there is he he is he is money he can he can be put in any situation with any character at any time it's not just this Rusev day thing that's not why I put him there because as as long no, as he has as, as long as he's Bulgarian he will never be a face. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the old heel Rusev, like you said, Rad, and I'd love yeah. to see stop getting behind it. And they're so hell bent on keeping him a heel. You just make it to where like he turns on Aiden English out of nowhere. You take over the comedic, you take out the comedic part of the act, then you bring back Lana with her hair up and make it serious again. Oh my god! And then, yes. and then I totally could see him in a world title picture if he's serious, yeah. Rusev. Yeah, with yeah. that package, you know. And, and it's funny you mentioned that because I think the whole package that he had with Lana as his manager kind of reminded me of Ivan Drago from uh, Rocky Four. So I just think, it, yeah, I mean, it worked. And uh, that's the Rusev I want to see, you know, not not chanting Rusev Day and making a mockery of himself. I mean, yeah, it's over, but, you know, we, we need a story uh, behind it. And if he's going to be in the main event picture, definitely have him, you know, turn on English, uh, get Lana back as his manager and just crush his opponents to death, you know, similar to what they're doing with Braun Strowman. Right. Miss the Rusev that was fighting Jack Swagger in flag matches and pay-per-views. <laughs> yeah. All right. So before we get into the greatest Royal Rumble, I have I have one more note to make, and that's actually the state of the women's division on SmackDown. Uh there's Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Asuka, and Naomi, all faces. Current champions, Carmella. Uh I think 
I, you have to build the iconics hard because they're you're basically they're the only heels currently because Lana ain't gonna win no matches <laughs> and no yeah, Nikki no. Cross with Sanity uh, is a huge mistake. They say they they say that she 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 has unfinished business in NXT. Uh, Probably a Shayna Baszler thing down the line, which is fine. Um, I just with without, I I think diversity is lacking here. Is my is is my fear, uh, especially with the rumor of a women's tag title and a TV title along the line coming. I, I'm I'm very afraid for the uh, the future of the women's division, particularly on SmackDown. But the talents there. Don't get me wrong. I can like this. I really enjoyed Carmella as a heel this week on SmackDown. No, Tremendous. no, I, I, I loved it. I loved it. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, it was really surprising. It's the, it's my favorite segment I've seen in quite some time uh, from from WWE. Playing the highlight like three times. That was great. <laughs> I, yeah, I liked how Charlotte was like looking at her nails, get not giving her a time of day, and then she, uh, you know, takes her out, and flips the hair real hard, and <laughs> it was great. Uh, but yeah, go on. But you're right. They need to do. They need. They need to do something with the iconics fast. I totally agree. They need to get more heels down there that are credible. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, down there, like stuff. By the way, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> A Naomi heel. <laughs> I don't know if that would work. <laughs> it can just change her entrance. Yes, I mean her entrance is over. I don't think they have any obligation to do it, but. Rad, what is your thought on the, the women's Let's division? What's up, Travis? I said Rad hates everything that's over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Naomi's entrance is just another thing that I just, I'm not buying into. I, I, I It annoys me, like, uh, big time. So I'd rather see her as a heel and just get that entrance out of the way. But either way, as far as, like, the women's division, I'm actually liking it right now. I just think that they could definitely use more heels and they put themselves in the position where, you know, uh, the iconics are like the only ones available, uh, you know, and in that situation. But uh, as far as, yeah, the women's division, I think it's, it's great. A right now, huge fan of Becky Lynch always have been, uh, Charlotte, I think is the best women's wrestler, you know, today. So she definitely has credibility. Um, you know, I'm, I'm okay with Carmella being the champion. I, I think, you know, uh, she's playing the role of a heel, you know, great. I'm, I'm not a fan of hers entirely, but I will give her credit where credit is due. And uh, I'm liking the way it's shaping up right now. So uh, hopefully they can just divide that roster and balance it out as far as the heels and, and faces are concerned. But it's it's going strong. It's off to a strong start. I am regardless of the yeah. diversity. Uh, and that's... Or uh, yeah, I'm I'm afraid of the diversity that I'm seeing right now. It's really lacking. Uh, I because I I just can't buy Carmella as a champion other than a slick runaway heel. If she pulls that off, um, which she's off to a phenomenal start, then more power to her. I'm I'm just afraid of what's what's uh, possibly to come. Yeah. All right. So we got we got the greatest Royal Rumble to discuss, uh, and then we're then we're out of here because we're uh, we're going long. Um, Travis, what do you what do you think of what you've uh, seen from the GRR, this glorified house show that was possibly better than Mania as a whole? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of non-progression, except for like Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy. 
And other than that, man, I mean, the Roman stuff, it kind of worked out well that I thought it was a botch because then Roman can complain some more that he got screwed over, I guess, in the storyline. But yeah, have a rematch. <laughs> I don't want to say waste of time, but just a big case of I'll just catch highlights or hear what happened from a friend because nothing, especially the Rumble match besides the tightest botch, nothing really noteworthy oh God, that I was, The I mean, Rumble least... match was a waste of space. Really long, too. I mean, what was it, like an hour and a half, two hours? Uh, yeah, Daniel Bryan came out one or two or something. And Yeah, uh, I think he was number one. And he's now the longest Rumble entrant ever. Um, I really thought they were going to give it to him, but I, I think it was highly predictable that Braun Strowman was going to... Yeah, I mean, take... the odds had him at number one, like, bar none. And yeah. It was, it was boring to predict he was going to win. <laughs> yeah, a weird feeling show the whole way through from what, everything I saw. I mean, I just, it felt there's obviously yeah, Saudi Arabia, but it just felt something felt off in a way. Mm -hmm. yep. I mean, not just the dead crowd. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Well, the show was long. I think it clocked in at five hours or so. I remember starting it at, you know, 11 central my time. And I, I don't think it finished until like maybe three 30 or four o'clock. You know, I was just checking it out, you know, there at work and it was just, it went on and on and on, uh, you know, the show for what it was, I think it was, it was, you know, good. It wasn't great. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, but, it much uh, the same way there. yeah, but, but the length of time is just, I think what killed it. And, uh, uh, just too many botches, you know, obviously it's, it's sad that the, the fall of Titus O'Neil became like the highlight of the night. I still say he did it on purpose. I've watched it in slow-mo. I do not see where he trips and you know what? Smart business. Cause everyone's talking about Titus right now. If he did do it on purpose, tip of the hat. I'm actually yeah, with, I mean, I'm actually with you. When that happened, I go, no way shirts. he didn't do that on purpose. Not only that, like it mirrored exactly that fall that he had on NXT, which a lot of uh, people were posting on Twitter. I was like, holy crap, it's like identical. Did you guys see somebody made it in like WWE 2K18? They reenacted that Titus falling. It was great. No, oh, yeah, yeah. That. I did see that. That was funny. Yeah, they're, they're going <laughs> under awesome. the ring for a uh, for a weapon or something, but they're they're cutting it out. Yeah, it was, it was good. Um, I thought... The the turning point of the night was definitely the Jeff Hardy gender match, where I have it's been so long. I mean, I want guys. I watch a lot of indie wrestling. I don't know if you listen to this cast before, <laughs> uh, but oh, holy shit, I have never seen or I can't remember the last time I saw a match go from a kind of an average three star. Okay, yeah, it's fine. To a what the hell happened? It was it, it happened in one moment, and then it just went in the shitter. And that was when Jeff Hardy goes for a whisper of the wind. Gender, I don't know where I, he was. He was off on a smoke break somewhere. When Jeff Hardy lands, <laughs> Gender falls behind him and then holds his back like he got hit. It was it was it's the biggest botch I remember seeing in a long time. This makes Titus's because uh, people trip. That's fine. I've you know I see guys trip on ropes or trip <laughs> yeah. all the time. I've seen it Matt Hardy fall over. Like oh my god, what what happened? Uh, Travis, did you see this moment? Did <laughs> oh boy, everyone in this. Wow, like it it is like kudos to Jeff Hardy for trying to carry it from then on out, but but Jinder looked like he was deer in headlights from, from that moment on. He didn't know what he was doing. 
incredible how how lost he got. Uh, words, words. Rad, do you have words? <laughs> uh, other than what you mentioned, I, I totally agree with you on that. <laughs> uh, the else uh, I can say about it. Yeah, but that but luckily the the uh, the icy title ladder ladder match um uh continued a good Rollins Balor build. I really liked the spot where Rollins did a freaking sweet um top rope kind of jump onto the ladder and and essentially rip the title out of Balor's hands at the end. To me, that was the moment of the night. Like not comical in any way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, that's all I got about the greatest Royal Rumble. Really, uh, I didn't. I didn't watch the Lesnar Reigns match at all. Ninety-two. Let's be real. The greatest Royal Rumble was ninety-two. Fuck you, WWE. It will always be the greatest Royal Rumble. <laughs> Is that the um, the famous uh, Ric Flair tear in my eye Royal Rumble? Put that cigarette out in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I I agree. Nineteen ninety two is still my my favorite Royal Rumble. Um, it was good. The uh the yeah. So those are those are my thoughts. Uh, if if anyone else uh has any final thoughts, now now's the time, and then I can get to the top ten WWE wrestlers, and then we can get get the hell out of here. Um, I, I think uh, I just want to add as well. I, I, the only match I did not watch, uh, uh, JD was uh, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. Oh, you have joined um, my fray. <laughs> <laughs> same deal. I didn't bother, but then I kind of like timed it in my head. So maybe about 20, 30 minutes in after taking care of an assignment, I tuned back in and I just saw the the last part where, you know, uh, he speared Lesnar to the cage and <laughs> that was that. So I guess I saw the most important moment of the match anyway. Uh, as far as match of the night is concerned, I actually really liked the uh, Nakamura AJ Styles match. Oh yeah, uh, that was better than their Mania match, I think. Yeah, I, that's what I wanted to get at. I think it was really good. Uh, I, I especially really... like the uh, the 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 no the no finish at the end. I was I, I like yeah, that as well. Yeah, no contest, you know, on, on uh, outside of of U.S. soil. I think it worked well and just kind of like keeps you engaged wanting to see this you know feud continue so mm. i definitely cared or i was more engaged in this match than i was with their match at you know wrestlemania so that was good and again i've said it before and i'll say it again not to take away from the match i think it was really good i just think that it was just overly hyped and it was expected to be five star very similar to their match at wrestle kingdom of course we didn't get that so uh but this match at the greatest royal rumble it, it worked well and i really liked it Travis. Yeah. On, on Slam Pigs, I said this match is going to be better than their Mania match. I feel like they were holding back in that match because they knew they were having this match. I just hated the finish, but it makes sense. They need to prolong the feud. Yeah. Backlash. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, so I'm going to run down my top 10 WWE wrestlers in between Mania and uh, the Greatest Royal Rumble. Uh, Go for it. Number 10, I have Jeff Hardy. Won the U.S. title against Jinder. Uh, somehow uh, carried a Jinder match despite, well, what happened. Uh, nine is Aleister Black because I really liked his match uh, against EY on NXT last week. If you haven't caught that, really nice. Uh, eight is AJ mm -hmm. Styles because of Rad, the match we just mentioned. I think he was the uh, the better performer there. That's just my opinion. Uh, sure. Seven is Adam Cole. 
from NXT last week. Uh, 5-6 is Killing Dane Lars Sullivan from their crazy-ass match on NXT a couple weeks ago. Uh, 4 is Kalisto for the Greatest Royal Rumble match. Um, 3, Seth Rollins. Uh, liked his matches on uh, Raw from the Raw highlights I saw, and I liked. I think he was the MVP performer in the latter match. Um, Brand Metalik is 2. There you go, Travis. There's our boy. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, again, Brad, the, the 205 live tornado tag match, Grand Metal League it was above and beyond um a performer. And uh number one's Drew Gulak. You guys shocked with that one? Uh yeah, actually I am. I, so I would have expected there was a gauntlet match on 205 Live last week. Uh uh-huh. and Drew Gulak's had a few good performances uh prior, but in this in this particular match, he uh he basically outperformed three straight dudes uh, similar to the Seth Rollins performance in January in his gauntlet match uh, Drew Gulak pulled out some very good in-ring story- storytelling selling moves, uh, looking strong at the same time, um, he's definitely a guy, he he was easily uh, my number one um, in WWE the past, uh, a lot of people are going to disagree with this list, but honestly I could care less <laughs> I think uh, maybe Travis might agree with you on that one I am the biggest Gulak fan in the entire world, and I get the final approval. Hooray! So the updated overall table, uh, Jay Lethal and Zack Sabre Jr. are tied for number one on the 2018 year with 38 points. Uh, Will Ospreay is number three at 34. Walter moves up to number four at 32. He cracks the top ten. He's currently the only indie wrestler uh, in the top ten. 30 is Almas. He's hanging he's hanging in there. Uh Roderick Strong at number 20 uh with 29 points, tied with Kenny Omega. Johnny Gargano and the Young Bucks with 28 and Okada is at number 10 at number 27. I somehow have a suspicion that Okada is going to rise up in a couple weeks. <laughs> um yeah, so Jay Lethal, Zack Sabre running the top right now with the Will Ospreay. What do you guys think of the updated overall table? You got some uh, predictions for later in the year who might come up or uh, su- surprise them who's on there right now? Travis, take it away. I think Nakamura might be creeping in. I think he's going to get the title eventually. I think he's going to get some big wins this year. You think uh, WWE has the balls to put on him? Because I'm still on that. Um, I'm, until I see that title on him, I'm not buying it. <laughs> put it on a foreign guy. At least they're a heel usually, right? So he's got that going for him. Uh, he doesn't speak English, though. They're even got the no-speak English promos. <laughs> <laughs> that, that That's actually working well, though. I think it just adds to his heel character. And I'm definitely digging it so far. I, I am a fan of heel Nakamura more than a face Nakamura. Do you think they have the balls to put it put it put the title on heel Nakamura at least? I, I hope so. I mean, the whole point SmackDown has always been the difference between Raw and SmackDown is Raw always came off as like the entertainment show versus SmackDown was which was more about you know world competition. It's always been like that ever since you know they did the uh, first you know draft in what was it two thousand two, right? So hopefully they can continue with that, especially with guys like Alma Shinsuke Nakamura. You know you have competitors from all around the world, so why not put the strap on somebody from you know Japan? And I think Nakamura is the perfect fit. 
Let's not forget my my favorite guy in the entire world, who I feel like is going to climb your list quite rapidly. Samoa Joe is going to have a big year. I'm calling. Oh him. yes. Oh well, bar, I, I really bar an injury, so. yeah, that's that's a good call, Travis. Actually, yeah, yeah, it really is. I, I hope so. And Samoa Joe really is the it guy. So if there's another one to you know put in that main event picture, I mean, hell, uh, why not Samoa Joe? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if I if I could put if I could give the guys points for promos alone, <laughs> he'd be up there. He's always been a good talker on yeah. the mic as ever since, you know, his days in TNA. And even though we've seen it before in TNA, I think it's time the world gets to see AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe in WWE. Bring in Christopher Daniels for one last raw, just one, one match in WWE with those two. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, <laughs> just leave the promo. Please don't wear the singlet. <laughs> well, all right. Um, Last, last, uh, last ditch promos, and then uh, I can cue uh, Jay Lethal's music out of here. Uh, Rad, go first, and then Travis, you just pick up where he left off, and we'll call this a night for the Red Leaf Russell cast. Go, go with it, Rad. Okay, uh, wait, what are we doing? Plugs? Yeah, do it. Oh, okay, awesome. Plugs and uh, any last minute thoughts. Okay, cool. Uh, I think this is where we'll close the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. It was an honor to be a part of this WrestleCast episode three with both the Hibiki TMD and uh, JD from the Retro Leaf uh, uh, <laughs> RetroCast. Um, you know, again, you can find me on YouTube, Brad Zero. I cover both pro wrestling and retro gaming. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter, Rad Zero eighty three. Uh, tweeting nothing but pro wrestling and retro gaming. I like to show you, you know, my collection items that I want to add to my collection. Huge wrestling uh, action figure fanatic. So if you're into the same things, highly suggest check me out. All right. Hey, this is Terry Bollea. Check out the Becky TMD on YouTube, brother. At the Becky TMD. No, on Twitter at the Becky TMD. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Button podcast here in the retro gaming slam pigs podcast our weekly raw smackdown review never drew a dime all sorts of goodness slam pigs union smack is coming back yeah check it out thanks for having me again boys all right thank you both